are listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? It's your show, Tony. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting in the zone real quick. He's, he's, Remember how I used to do this? He's Come doing, he's, he's, he's zenning. He's, he's doing uh, numho harangue humyo stuff. <laughs> lion face. Slam face. Lion face. Lion face. Red leather, <laughs> yellow leather. <laughs> exactly. Okay. My name is Tony Jackson. A long time ago, I was pulled into the fan holes continuum. And there, I learned a couple of things. First of all, if you're gone for a year, they might replace you. Second of all, you'll definitely be replaced as host. Because you're not there. But now, I've been back for a little while. And I still get to host, because the other guy does a lot better job at it than I do. But for one night... One day, I get to be the host of the Fan Holes one more time. Hey guys, this is Tony. Um, welcome to Fan Holes. Uh, you did hear right, I am hosting this week. But I'm not just hosting because Derek's sick. Um, he's, he's, he's here, he's here. I am, <laughs> uh, I am sick, but not, <laughs> not in the way you think. <laughs> he's not debilitating. <laughs> uh, but uh, tonight we're doing a special episode We're uh, celebrating an anniversary And to do so, we figured we'd do a retro show um, If you're a long-time listener, I think you would know what that kind of means as far as content We used to do what we call now Franken-shows Didn't really have a set topic that we would talk about for the whole episode We would just talk about like a bunch of different things And we'd have different categories that we put stuff in We were bringing some of those categories back I'll like Keep some of that in the uh, back burner so it can hopefully surprise you. Hopefully you'll be happy with that. I do think we have some really cool stuff to talk about this week, though. Uh, but for now, I guess we will do the standard roll call. You already know who I am. I'm Tony. Hey, guys, give it a shout out. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. Hey, it's Mike and Archie, my son. Don't let our secret ninja cult turn us into cyborgs. <laughs> this is Justin, and I'm hot for teacher. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> so uh, there, there's a couple of spoilers there for what we're going to talk about. I guess we should just go ahead and talk about that first. I mean, we do have an itinerary, but uh, back in the old days, we'd have this thing called Someplace Cold. And it's basically something that makes us grumpy that we don't like. This is something that all of us have seen and none of us like. Uh, currently right now on the CW, there's a show called Riverdale. If you're not in the know... Riverdale is the fictional town that Archie Andrews and his buddies and enemies uh, live in, you know, and of course, Archie comics are a staple of the, of the United States. 
they've been around forever. They they are a classic comic. Um, it, it's pretty much a teen romance comic with a little bit of you know fun thrown in. It's a com- it's you know it's comedy into um, Riverdale is not a comedy, not intentionally. Uh, <laughs> it, it is CW's sexy new teen drama. Yeah, it is the it, it, it is the not. sexy new drama on the CW. Um, while I am hosting this week. I will admit I'm not the hugest Archie fan, and even this made me grumpy, but I would really rather defer to Justin and Derek because they are pretty big Archie fans. So uh, whoever wants to go first, like you guys can tear this new one. I'll just throw in some comments here and there. Can I go first? Please. please. <laughs> go ahead, sir. Right. So you maybe remember an episode of Comic Book Smofo where I gave my reaction to the trailer after having just watched it. And it was everything I didn't want. Like, it looked like that parody trailer where, like, everything goes wrong and everyone's, like, on drugs and everything. And that's what we got. That's that's what the show is because it's on the CW. And they have to, like, you know, pander to that, uh, you know, demographic, I guess. That's why it's called CW's Sexy New Teen Drama. But, like, <laughs> it's it's really just Archie in name only because... I think the characters are pretty unrecognizable. And I know Derek's going to say, well, Betty was always crazy, but I mean, like, Betty's crazy in this. Like, she's bonkers. Like, And then you have stuff like, you know, Derek and I are secret brothers because their avatars are Geraldine. But, of course, because it's CW, Geraldine is a hot, sexy teacher. And what did she do in the first episode that made Derek like lose Dude, all his stability? I'm like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm prepared for this. We've discussed this. Like, we saw the trailer. Like, we knew. Okay, you know, like you know, Josie and the Pussycats. They're they're gonna be all all black singers, pop singers. We knew that going into it. It's like Reggie was gonna be. You know, an Asian American football player. Okay, fine. I I knew that. I knew that going into it. Luke Perry was gonna be his dad. Holy crap! Like Aaron Spelling, Shades of Aaron Spelling shows, right? Nine hundred two and zero. Like, okay, we knew that. We knew we knew all this stuff going into it. Like like when we saw this trailer, we knew like Cheryl Blossom and Jason Blossom was gonna be this big Twin Peaks murder mystery. It was gonna be all crazy and everything. And so I'm like. I'm prepared. I'm mentally prepared for this, right? So I'm watching the first episode of the the pilot and everything. And you know, you know, I, I know Justin's saying it's in name only, but like if you listen to Jughead blogger Doctor Doom Jughead in the opening narration and everything, like there's lots of like Easter eggs and references. Like you're like looking there and you're like, oh yeah, there, there there's Pop's Chocolate Shop and oh you know there you know and 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 there's you know the sign for Riverdale and you know basically references to like oh Greendale that's where Sabrina lives and you know all this kind of you know in stuff that if you read Archie comics like you'd you'd key into it and kind of go oh yeah that that's familiar to me and everything. So I'm like okay well they're they're definitely trying to placate with these kind of small villain like fan knowledge. Archie wanted to be a musician. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Easter eggs and, and stuff like that, you know? And and so you're like, oh yeah, okay, so they're they're the pussycats and they got the ears and tails for hats and all that fucking shit. And I'm like, okay, so I get it. Like and, and I'm prepared. I'm mentally prepared. But then nine minutes and I think thirty two seconds into it, I, I had that moment like, you know, like when you watch the movie Swingers and and Favreau has the awful scene where he like, you know, 
leaves the voicemail on the answering machine. And if you were in the theater, you'd probably be squirming. But since I watched it on home video, I was like, no, dude, no, don't call her back again and leave another message. No, dude, no. And I just paused it and was like, no, dude, don't do it. You know, and then, of course, you got to like eventually go back and watch the movie. And you're still like, no, dude, he left another message. And you're just like, stop, man, stop, you know. And and so so at nine minutes and 32 seconds, you realize that Archie Andrews is having sex with this hot as shit, like Carl's Jr. fucking burger model or whatever. Like, you know, she's like, she's like drinking her, her big gulp or whatever and licking her lips and all this other stuff. And, and they have this steamy sex scene in the back of a VW bug. And then it dawns on you. I forget the exact moment you figure it out, but you're like, Wait, that's Miss Grundy? And I was just like, what? What? And, and he, like, are you serious? And, like, this is fucking crazy. Like, what? And and then that's when I had to pause it, like, with the swingers. And I'm like, what? So, dude. And then, and then I went to Botox and went, what? Like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is crazy. And so I, I was not. So for, for anybody who's not in the know, Miss Grundy in the comics is like this grandmotherly aged woman. You know, she's not young. She, she's <laughs> not young. She looks like Aunt May in the comics. And, like, she's not a sexy, hot Carl's Jr. model who bangs Archie Andrews in the back of a VW Bug. So that was like, what? Like, so I, I, I was not mentally prepared for that. So, yeah, yeah. There are a couple things they did like that that were uh, definitely right moments. Like, uh, like I said, Miss Grundy being hot and banging Archie is obviously, uh, you know, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da moment. Um, but there's also some other ones. It, the uh, ethnic switching thing doesn't bother me. It happens all the time now. It hasn't really ever bothered me. So it that didn't, like, take me out of it. Okay, Josie and the Flicks, they're, they're all black instead of just one girl being black. You know, uh, uh, Reggie being Asian. Okay, he's Asian. Whatever. I don't care. One thing that did kind of bother me is, like, Moose being gay. It's only kind of hinted at it in this episode. I, I only know this because Derek and Justin have told me, like, what happens later on. I'm, I'm not spoiling anything. I don't think this show's going to make it two seasons. But, um... <laughs> But the only problem I have with Moose being gay is not that he's gay. It's just that, like, I don't know if that's the best representative you want to have for your your gay uh, character. Because in the comics, Moose is stupid as shit. That's that's his thing. He's a stupid, tough guy. And I'm like, so is that who you want to be your gay representative? The stupid guy? <laughs> well, it's weird because they have the pre-established character, that character, Kevin Keller, that's fairly, I mean, relatively speaking in the history of Archie publishing, right? Like Kevin Keller is not as recent as, say, a character as Moose. But then you're looking at Moose and kind of thinking, well, you know, Moose had a girlfriend, you know, like. And they yeah, yeah. and they mentioned that I think in the second episode they're like oh well wasn't he going out with Midge or isn't he going to go out with Midge and you know oh Moose is confused you know it's like okay like all right so that that was you know that that was basically kind of the I, it's interesting because they they do a lot of things that are similar to what Archie Comics Publishing does now where they have these very kind of I think shocking news bite worthy stories, you know, just to garner interest and generate like sort of 
uh, salacious publicity, I guess is the best way to put it. And I, I think like every episode of this is uh, like that's why it's the you know sexy new teen drama on the CW because there's there's always some kind of like this is like this guilty pleasure show, you know? Like I I I don't know that I like absolutely like despise it or anything, but it's just like one of those things where like you're watching it and you're like what the hell could they possibly do next to like screw up Archie, you know? Like like it, it's it's like watching, you know, the 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 people that you know slow down to see what happened in the car wreck you know like that that's kind of what it seems like you know where you're like what are they gonna you know what 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 can they possibly pull out of their asses next and everything and i i don't mean to disparage anybody who's involved with the project i mean i don't know i i've read some interviews and 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 i mentioned this on the the show that justin mentioned as well that the the kid who plays jughead like he seems like a fairly diplomatic and and very shrewd and careful with his words and and how he gives information in interviews. And I, I read this interview that he gave, and I, I think it's very you know it, it's interesting because they I I didn't even know this was a thing, but like I, I don't know. Have you guys like I know Mike and Tony have only seen the first episode, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all I'm at, at and, then, and that's all I'm going to be. At. What about you, Justin? How <laughs> yeah. far did you get? I got to the fourth episode, and then I I quit. Okay, so <laughs> last Thursday, right? Jughead and Betty are investigating the whole murder thing and all this stuff, and she goes to see her sister at the fucking loony bin and all this other stuff, right? And and Jughead's like, you know, they're doing the investigative, you know freaking Chloe Sullivan school paper bullshit, right? And then they find this car with all this evidence in it, and they go to Sheriff Keller, and anyway, that's not the important part. The important part is Jughead comes up to Betty's room through the window, and when she's having, like, this moment of, like, oh, my sister's all fucking nuts, and this and that and the other thing, they have a kiss. So, like, Jughead and Betty are, like, hooking up. And, and it was like, it was almost like, it was almost inconsequential. Like, like if you, if you just, I don't know, like your eyes darted away from the TV screen for a minute, you would have totally missed it. But you're like, dude, Jughead just put the moves on Betty, you know? And they're trying to like switch things up and have like, you know, Archie hook up with Valerie like he did in the comics at one point. And just, you know, now that the whole school teacher Miss Robinson thing is like, I don't know, that, that kind of fizzled out after four episodes or whatever, and it seems like it's going to be this very incestuous, cannibalistic, you know, Saved by the Bell thing, where by the by the time you get to, even even if Tony doesn't think this will last, by the time you get to this, like, 13 or 12, whatever it is, like, you know, 20-episode run, like, uh, the majority of characters will have slept with one another and like, if if there was a you know venereal disease going around Riverdale, like everybody would have it, you know. <laughs> like, and and so like, I was just kind of like that to me was kind of like, wait, what? Like ju- Jughead's kissing Betty? What? And that that was that was my only thought on it. But then I started doing research, or not re- research, but I just you know I we're coming on the show tonight. We're looking up like little things to put in our chat boxes and avatars and and i just kind of wanted to refresh my memory so i looked over like the wikipedia descriptions of the various episodes and everything like that and there was this article 
that was basically like the asexual community is in uproar because Jughead kissed Betty. And, like, in some random fucking Jughead comic from, like, I don't know, a year ago, they decided canonically, quote-unquote, that Jughead was asexual, even though, like, I guess he went out with Ethel, and I'm sure he's dated a bunch of other fucking girls in the comics, and that's why I said the kid who plays, the actor who plays Jughead, it was very shrewd and political in the way he phrased his answers in some of these interviews, because he acknowledges that there was that comic that existed, but he also kind of twisted it and turned it around and said, look, this is our universe, and, and he's probably not asexual in this universe, but that could be something we could explore in the future, possibly. So, like, basically, he's, like, pleased everybody, like, within that short answer. You know, like, to, to a degree, right? This this is not how it is now, but it could be that way in the future. Just, you know, watch the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, I like him because of that. Like, that's how he handled himself at Comic-Con, you know, San Diego. And that's how he handled himself in that interview. And, like, I was just kind of like, okay, that's th- that's good, you know, I don't know. He, he just, he has a good... Publicity. He's got a good head on his shoulders, I think. You know, and, and so, I but I was just kind of, like, thinking, like, well... Am I am I stupid? Like, cause like I'm sitting there like reading this. There there was this article that that's why I found out about it. Like, if you Google Riverdale right now, like the, some of the top three articles you'll see, is, <laughs> I refuse. Is, is is no no no? Just do it like real quick. And if you do it, like one of the articles is is, is this site Vulture.com, and it says an asexual's defense of Jughead kissing Betty on Riverdale. And it's vulture.com. And I'm just kind of like, this This just got written up, you know. And and I was just kind of, you know, and I, I don't mean to, you know, get into this, like, in super detail. But it just kind of, it blew my mind. Because I was like, okay, one, I didn't know, like, asexuals were a thing, okay? Like, I didn't know that. Like, so, sorry. But, like, and, and then I'm thinking of, like, the strictest definition of the word. Like, asexual, right? That means, like, you know, without sex, right? Like. That, that's what that means, right? Like, I'm not wrong, right? Well, hell, I'm not getting laid right now, so I guess I'm asexual. No, 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 no. Sure. Okay, that, that, that's fine. Like, I could say the same thing about myself at the moment, right? So, so does that mean I'm asexual? Like, that's not how these people writing the articles define themselves. In fact, they seem to define themselves as like, well... They do it by know, choice. That's, no, that's how I mean, they feel. They don't want to have sex. I, guess, yeah. I don't want to belittle it, but it sounds like they're ordering a fucking super mocha frappuccino at fucking starbucks when they describe their sexuality like i'm a little of this i'm a little of that and then if i feel this way on tuesday at 9 a.m and then i do this and i sprinkle a little bit of this and i'm this kind of asexual and i was just like holy fuck i can't even follow that like i was just like i thought asexual just meant like oh okay i'm not interested right like i'm not i don't have any sexual feelings and then they go into well just because Jughead's asexual doesn't mean he's aromantical. And I'm just kind of like, well, what? Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, <laughs> you have too many words for stuff it, now. It just, we really it just do. fucking blew my mind. And I'm just kind of like, me, all I was thinking was, wow, Jughead kissed Betty. Whoa, way to go, Jughead. Get get some from that, that crazy bitch. You know, like, whatever. Like, that that was all I was thinking. And I didn't know it was like, they're, they're, they're trying to add all these 
extra layers to stuff and everything. So, uh, strictly speaking, like I'm just kind of enjoying the car wreck, I suppose. You know, because this is this is like one of those. To me, it reminds me of like when I would get into some of these ridiculous shows on the CW, whether it was like the the remake of Nine Hundred Two One Zero or Dawson's Creek or whatever. Like it's <laughs> it's got all those those kind of vibes to it, where it's like just ridiculous shit. And yes, by the end of it, like everybody will have slept with everybody else, and everybody will hate each other, but then be friends again, and you know all that kind of fucking crap. So I, you know that that's you know I don't know, but but yeah, Eric. it is definitely kind of crazy. Derek, you're like you're Miss Grundy, like leering at you know Riverdale. You're like, hey baby, what's up? Like, I don't know what's going on, but I am kind of intrigued I, by I this. I felt, I felt, I told you about this because we <laughs> kind of dig you. We talked about this, Justin. Like, I felt really weird because they they took something that was salacious, like a relationship between a adult and a minor, right? And and then they tried to legitimize it, like that that that. I mean, because you get the idea in the course of these, like, four episodes, like, she sleeps with him, and she's the music teacher, and Archie's really into music. So, like, they're trying to tie it into that comic thing where it's like, dude, Archie hit a band, man. He's, like, he's totally into music, man. But then they forge that relationship between the two of them. Even though it's quote-unquote wrong, the show tries to sell you on the idea that this is like not, I, I don't want to say normal but like that 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 she has no ill intent like that's what you think right and then she the 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 way they try to spin it with the whole murder mystery is they were there on you know and heard the gunshot or whatever when Jason Blossom gets killed so and of course, she doesn't want to help, like, do a lot with the investigation, yeah, yeah, she, quote unquote, she wanna, with Archie, because she doesn't want to be outed for, yeah, sleeping right, with a right. kid. She, yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't want to come forward, and then Archie's got to struggle with that and all this other stuff. And eventually, of course, like by like I don't know, episode three or four, it's like the jigs up, and Betty's mom, who's a fucking nutcase, catches them, and you know she's like the town bitch or whatever, and like go, you know, basically, you know drives her off out of town and you know even even betty and veronica are kind of like a little worried about what's going on with that and i think betty breaks into her vw bug and finds out her real name isn't geraldine grundy and this and that and the other thing you know and and so so she you know betty tells archie about that he confronts her and then she turns it into this thing of oh well i had this abusive husband and i had to change my name and like i you know, for whatever the faults are, like that, as much as it freaked me out in the first episode, like I, I kind of took her at her word, right? Like I kind of was like, oh, okay, like she really was abused. She really does think like there's some kind of future with her and Archie, I guess. You know, like like that 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 yeah, was yeah. kind of the idea I was getting. And then yeah, she actually did fall in love with him or something. Yeah. 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 And, and that he, he's in love with her, even though this is a big mistake and it's, it, they're star crossed and it's not going to work out. But I, I thought there was some genuineness to, to what they were trying to establish. Right. And even, even she wasn't just a sexual predator. Yeah. 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 That, that, yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. I, I, I thought they were trying to really sell the idea that this, this woman was not a sexual predator. However, when she gets outed, and then she agrees to leave town. There's this, like, end denouement scene after they do one of these, you know, 
musical montages that gets you up to date on like the entire cast or whatever and and it's it's very similar to like in the in the introduction when they make it all salacious you see our avatars like it's that image of her and she does look like this hot as fuck like carl's jr model babe like she's got her little heart shades coming down and she's totally checking out like you know super ripped my name is KJ Appa, and I'm playing Archie. You know this 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 muscle bound. And they do that in the show. Like Betty and uh, uh, her her friend are like you know the, the the guy the Keller guy. You know they're like talking and stuff. And it's, it no, it was Veronica. I don't know who it was. Fuck, I can't remember. But anyway, it's Betty, and she lives across from like Archie. Right, right. And like you know, they even like take the time for them to look out the window because Archie lives across the street, and he's like pulling his shirt off and it's like oh my archie andrews grew up <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh archie's mega ripped now and everything and so so she she originally was checking him out and that's how it turned into this torrid love affair in the vw bug or whatever right but what they go through that whole arc she gets out and she leaves town and and they they echo your introduction to that character only she's looking at two other "Quote unquote hot shirtless teen boys as she like leaves town, so like that kind of kind of destroys all the stuff they build up. Yeah, for, yeah. Yes. I was like, I mean, I, I know it's kind of stupid to say, but I was like, I, I you know, I was having that discussion with Justin one night, and I was just like, I was kind of crushed that they did that, you know, because I was just like, oh wait, so she is a sexual predator, like she, like in other words, my my initial gut instinct was this is horrible. Like, what are they doing? Like, why is Miss Grundy a hot chick? And what, what are they trying to sell here? And this is all wrong. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go along. I, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll take Seth Rogen's hand and come along for his twirling ergonomic bullshit ride. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go along with you. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And, and then, and then they, they immediately like pull that chair out from under you and you fall on your ass. Cause you're like, well, wait a minute. She was, she, she was a bad per you know what i mean like like it, it like it, to me i i think it puts everything to the lie you know where you're just like well, wow all these people are really like like all the parents like except for and maybe you know mike has something to say about this because we got a, a a fun luke perry sad luke perry looking at us on the avatar but like besides luke perry man all these parents are fucking assholes Betty's mom is like fucking crazy yeah i, I guess I, I will uh go before mike because I think he's probably going to be the harshest on it because he's not a big Archie fan at all. I'm not a huge Archie fan, but I, I think I'm a little bit more aware of Archie because I did read it a little bit as a kid. I'm not, like, again, not as big a fan as Justin and Mike, uh, uh, Derek are. But I, I think the, the, the best thing I can say about this show is if you're like Justin or Derek, um, you know, Derek does say it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Justin is just like, I'm out. I'm done. If you're an Archie fan, you will probably have one of those two reactions. If you like Archie, you're either going to be like, oh, this is, you know, as the tagline says, CW's hot new sexy teen drama, and you're going to get into it. Uh, or if you're an Archie fan, you're going to look at it and be like, okay, I'll give it a shot. This is trash. Good night. Where I fall but is... It's, but it's sexy it, new dramatic trash, Tony. <laughs> well, no, I was about to say, <laughs> if, if, if this wasn't Archie, if they hadn't used Archie, if they just called this Riverdale and everybody had different names, if it was like Arnie Arnoldson or something, I don't know. Fuck. If it was just a teen show, I do have Derek's kind of a uh, flaw 
of falling for these shows. I watched IO2 when I was a kid. Me and Derek's secret brother that a billion times. I would watch it. It is salacious. It is seedy. It is, you know, like, I would watch it. You know, it, it has that vibe to it. And it does have that little bit of Twin Peaks with the murder mystery and stuff. But it is Archie. And it's hard for me to separate that from the comics, you know, because those comics are very like I, I know they've changed in recent years. I haven't read any of those hardly. But, you know, Archie, when I was a kid, it was, it was a very, very innocent comic. You know, there were moments of like as I take a smoke from my cigarette, innocent. Yeah. But um, there it was it was like, you know, it was like kind of a guidebook for younger adults to see how you could actually be like you know mixed up about dating and like wondering who you like and like not just being hit over the head with like you know fuck that bitch you know fuck her too you know like to have sex with everybody you know it, it was a very moral story uh but on that end you know as an adult i don't mind seedy i don't mind raunchy you know i mean if it's if it's fun and like like derek say kind of a guilty pleasure I would enjoy the show if it wasn't Archie. As it being Archie, though, I can't really get into it because I'm just like, I don't want Miss Grundy to be hot and banging people. I don't want, you know, to have that in my head, you know? So, you know, as far as I go, if this wasn't Archie, if it was just, you know, just the CW's hot new teen drama, I would probably fucking watch it. I would probably get into it because the the acting is pretty good. The, The acting is not that bad. The, the locations are, you know, is shot really well. I mean, it looks like a good show. It's just that disconnect that I just can't get into. So, I mean, that's where I stand on that. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to Mike, man. Like, you know, I, I, we, we have sad Dylan. I always call, I'm always going to call him Dylan. I'm sorry. <laughs> His name is Dylan to me. <laughs> but we have sad Dylan in your avatar. So what do you think of uh, Archie Andrews and crew sexified? You know, like you, I don't. I'm not really a fan or anything. Like I, I'm, I, I'm unfamiliar with it, and you know, I don't have a problem with it. And like I, I mean, I've seen like the cartoons, and like I've read some comics, but I've never gone out of my way to like read Archie comics or watch Archie things. So, like, I mean, I watched it, and I don't know. Like I, like even beyond it being Archie, I just thought it was like a weak, like weak writing like in general like I, I, I don't know it was very cliche to me like it, like it might be like this guilty pleasure you know like sort of show in the mold of 90210 but i felt like there were all those uh, there were just a lot of like tropes and things that like they you know they 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 introduce like you know kevin keller or whatever and the, then I think it's like Cheryl Blossom, like actually calls him out, like on like she was like, you know, the the you're the gay best friend, like oh that is so like cliche or something, and I'm like, you know, like hanging a lampshade on it does not excuse it, basically. <laughs> like if, if you're, you know, like you can't just you can't say, oh well, we're gonna write this like this guy like totally stereotypical and like poorly, but then we're going to have another character make fun of it. So it's all right. Like, and I'm like, no, it's really not like, I, I don't know. Like I, I had, I had gay friends in high school and like, I feel like they would be like incredibly offended by like Kevin Keller's like portrayal, like at least early in the first episode where, you know, he's just like, you know, Hey girlfriend, like, how you doing? Like, I don't know, like that. that just that's that's what about about Moose, like he, like the gay guy is a stupid guy because gay people are stupid. I mean, that's like kind of the message you almost get. You yeah, know? And then there there was that moment where Betty and Veronica like kiss for no reason other yeah. than to like have two hot girls kiss. I was like, oh come on, 
Yeah, it's a, a lot of like contrived stuff like that where I was kind of like, what? Yeah. And then even I was like similarly, like even even though I didn't, I'm not like obviously as familiar with it as Derek was. But when I heard that like Archie was having an affair with quote unquote like Miss Grundy, I was like, what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> and like I didn't. I didn't even like I didn't have a visual reference. So, like, you know, all I could see in my head was like Archie's kissing like Aunt May or whatever. (laughs) You know, even 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 some of the things like sometimes I wonder if you're familiar with Archie, if that's a detriment to enjoying the show. Like if you just had no frame of reference. And like Tony was saying, as far as you knew. You know, like, it didn't have anything to do with Archie Comics, and you just, you know, watched it as this kind of, you know, sexy new drama from the CW, and that that would be it. Like, maybe it'd be easier to enjoy, because I, I sit here, and I, you know, it, it it's weird, because you've got, it's like Veronica Lodge, it's like, uh, Veronica Lodge is the mysterious new girl in town, and I'm kind of like... Since when? But okay, I'll go along with it. You know, like she's the new girl in town, and then it's like it's like she was rich, but then her dad's incarcerated because he was like pension pennies, and 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 he's like this nefarious, you know, uh, you know, uh, white collar embezzler, you know, and it, it's just yeah. kind of like, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, the, like he's like like the Goldman Sachs thing, yeah, from like yeah, America. you know, it's like it's like he's he's one of these like Wall Street guys that got caught and sent up the river or whatever and so like it's like veronica and her mother are there sort of hiding out or slumming it and then like jughead's dad is part of a gang that she hires to like you know drive people out so the property value goes down so the husband can buy the property from jail and like it's just like all this kind of like crazy stuff that like you i mean i don't know like like typically in archie comics you know the 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 lodges are just kind of like this daddy warbucks type fan yeah they're just, they're just snobby they're snooty yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, but but not i guess not in any kind of lascivious or nefarious kind of way and so like yeah you're you're sitting there kind of like scratching your head going like hmm like this is you know, it's it's not quite what you're used to, and then and then like yeah, like you said, like there there's and and then they they do a lot of stuff where like like not only the stuff where Justin was talking about the whole you know a cheerleader audition where Betty and Veronica like make out during the audition for no reason whatsoever, really, you know? not at all. Like yeah. like and and so, but then then there's like the episode where and I I'm, I'm imagining Justin saw this, but there's the episode they have Veronica go out with Chuck Clayton who they did not race shift and he is black and then his father is the coach and is also black but then they 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 create this weird circumstance where apparently the entire football team like Reggie, Chuck Clayton, Jason Blossom, like all these guys of different colors and ethnicities are basically bad evil men's, you know, quote unquote, who who have been, you know, slut shaming the 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 girls of Riverdale, right? So so it's like uh, I think it was like they they introduced Ethel, but then like apparently like it was the situation where they acted like they were interested in her, but then then they went around telling people after the fact that she you know 
you know, she she granted them sexual favors and all this other stuff. And so it's like there's this whole group of girls that, that were victimized or whatever, you know? And they, they do this whole, like, woman power episode where they, they get the dirt on them and they get the little... I don't know, their their little black book in the locker room and by the end of it, even though like Cheryl Blossom's like this this evil bitch who hates Betty and Veronica, by the end of it, they're all bonded together in in unity against this like, you know, horrible, you know, uh, like kind of culture of, of You fucked us, now we're gonna fuck you. You know, that that, that is perpetuated, you know, and, and by the end of it they're like burning the book and hugging each other and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, they, they, I don't know. Like some some of this stuff it's just kinda like, you know I, I all I can do is like sit back and either either go what or just kinda laugh, you know, because it's like I don't I don't know. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to take seriously in its in its form of presentation, you know. The there was one thing about that episode I liked. The the actress who was playing Ethel is the same actress who played Barb in Stranger Things. So like I, I was just happy to see her show up. I was like, Oh hey, it's you but yeah, like I, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't a fan of that episode. And then and that, that was a that was another turn where like Betty was bonkers, and you're just like, well, Betty's always bonkers. Well, yeah, well, well okay, like I'm, I'm just gonna say, like Betty has always been nut shit balls crazy, okay? Because like there's this segment, and she's got a comic book called Betty's Diary, right? And if you've ever seen those filmation cartoons, like. Betty's diary, the whole point of Betty's diary is what she writes in her fucking diary is not what's happening in real fucking life, okay? Like, she just makes shit up. Like, it, it's not real, you know? Like, she'll be like, oh, you know, it's like I went out today and, and you know, Archie just is the biggest gentleman ever and he bought me a lampshade and it's like then what really happens is like archie you know i don't know Archie's like cleaning out his like closet he's like oh, i don't want this piece of shit lampshade here betty you yeah, can have here, it betty this is this is a you know a, a fucked up lampshade like why don't you go dump it in the dumpster or whatever and, and then, like the diary's like archie just loves me he gives me like brand new lampshades and you're like no no that's not what's happening <laughs> Betty, Betty's like, don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. <laughs> and then, and then when, when, when she, because in that thing, like they, they are so mad at Chuck Clayton for pulling that crap with Veronica, right? That that they make out in a car, and then the next day he's like, oh yeah, I hit that shit or whatever, and like posted a bunch of pictures on, I don't know, like fucking Archie Facebook or whatever it was, right? <laughs> and and Archie Graham. And so, so they take him. They they. They trick him because Betty's like, "Oh yeah, I want to hit your shit too now, or whatever." And and so they manipulate him, right? So Betty, Betty, like, comes on to Chuck, and then Chuck sees Veronica's there, and at that point, Chuck's a fucking moron, right? Because he knows he fucked over Veronica, and that she wants some kind of you know comeuppance, right? But he's he's so convinced in his I don't know masculinity or whatever the his problem is, like like. They convince him that they want a three-way with him, right? And and he's like, oh, yeah, like, let's do this shit, you know? And so he, he gets into the fucking hot tub. They, they, I, they, I'm not, they... not going to lie, though, Derek. If, if Betty and Veronica from that show, those actresses, wanted to have a three-way with me and they said that, 
I, I would probably be fooled. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> do but, it. <laughs> but if you, if you, if the day before in the locker room, both of them were like angry as crap and trying to get the principal to expel you, wouldn't, 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 okay. wouldn't your spider yeah, true sense? Enough. Yeah, well, I would, I would think like, huh, this seems a little suspicious. Wouldn't your spider sense click and kind of go, gee whiz, like maybe, maybe they have some ulterior motives for, for, for making a 180 degree turn on me or whatever. So anyway, they do that. He comes in and, and gets handcuffed to the fucking hot tub. And then, of course, Betty nutballs shit crazy bat crazy as she is she comes out right and she's got the fucking uma thurman wig so she looks like fucking veronica and like it's just like what like what the fuck and then she like pours fucking like syrup on chuck clayton and i'm just kind of like what in the hot tub and like i i don't know man i don't get it like i i think in the wikipedia they describe it as quote-unquote torturing chuck clayton i think that might be a little extreme except for the fact that the hot tub keeps getting like they, they keep raising the temperature in it so like he could really get hurt from that so i was like anyway I'm yeah, thinking hot tubs can be dangerous. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking too much about you know the the ramifications and everything, but still, it's like one of those things where you're like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, dude?" <laughs> Derek, he wasn't convinced of his own masculinity and whatnot. He was convinced of his own hooder. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was... It was episode three, Derek. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess to try to like you know. Be a good host. Uh, one thing I want to ask you guys about uh, Riverdale is obviously we've all voiced our opinion that even Derek, even though he likes it as a guilty pleasure, he knows it's shit. It's just, it's it's just that like you know, turd on the sidewalk where you're like, that is a weird ass turd. I'm just gonna look at it for a while. <laughs> um, I like I like, like I like when uh, they have the commercials for for CoverGirl and they stick the turd in a chair and then. After like fifteen minutes, all of a sudden the turd's got like all this makeup on. It's like, yeah, I'm glamorous and I'm beautiful. Cover girl, you know. Like they actually have like I don't know if you watch it on like network TV or whatever, but like they they have all these like commercials where they have the actresses like sit down, and I'm kind of surprised they let them like do that to them. But I guess they they probably have it in their contract where it's like they sit down and like they're all non makeuped. And then all of a sudden, by the end of it, they're like, you know, glamour Stunning, girls, yeah. you know, like they, 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 you know, uh, discard the, uh, you know, the whatever, the, the little <laughs> barber, you know, shawl they have on while, while they're doing all this makeup and everything. And all of a sudden it's like Veronica's like super glamour girl, like I'm a cover girl <laughs> or whatever. And and they do the same thing with Betty, except for Betty, they don't try to suss up as much on the show, but. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, she does look kind of tomboyish. Uh, the one thing I want to ask though is like the internet is very popular nowadays for uh, <clears throat> doing the whole black and white and like you know overreacting bit. Um, so I guess what I was going to ask uh, you and uh, Justin Derek is, you know, does this ruin Archie Forever's? You know, you you rape my childhood, or is it just, eh, it's a thing. You know, whatever. Little life goes on. Sky is blue, water's wet. Yeah. You know? Like Justin might disagree with me, but I, I'm gonna say no because I think Archie Comics did that themselves. Like they've they've done plenty of like kooky stuff in the same way just to get attention and and keep themselves quote unquote relevant, you know. So I, I'm just gonna say no. Like 
this you know like like you said this this conceivably won't last that long and if it does i'll just yuck it up and and kind of enjoy it i suppose yeah i i agree with derek although i i do disagree like i i think it will be renewed the ratings seem to be pretty stable and the cw the the cw has already canceled like three shows so I, I imagine they'll want something to kind of plug into those, you know, those empty slots pretty easily. But yeah, like I, I agree with Derek, and I think I shared his initial like, you know, watching the car burn from a distance, like with more of a curiosity. But I don't know, like I, I don't know if it's just like me lately or what, but like I, I feel like I've been wasting too much time on shows I don't really care about anymore. Like a lot of the DC shows, like Arrow and Supergirl and whatnot. And I kind of like, I just tossed Riverdale into that. I may go back and watch the rest of the season once it's over, because I think it's only like 13 episodes for this first season. So I may, you know, maybe one day when I'm like super bored out of my mind, I may go and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go check this out. Or maybe like if something totally nutballs off the wall, baby, you know, outer space cadet crazy happens and Derek's like, you got to check this out. Like you won't believe it. Like it's totally wacko. Like I may check it out. I may check it out at that point. I did want to ask you: Have they solved the murder yet, or no. is this going to be a whole like season? No, thing? I'm sure this is going to be a whole uh, season thing. Like, there's well, not even. I'll... Go, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there, there's not even like I, I I don't even think there's any decent suspects. I mean, it seems like like just like all the romances where it's like, oh, this is it's like Geraldine Grundy and Archie are going to be the hot romance, and then the next episode it's like. Archie and Veronica are going to be the hot romance in the closet because they make out together. And then the next episode, it's like, guess what? Valerie and Archie, like, totally into each other. Like, they're going to be the new hot romance. It seems like there's always, like, a new, like, potential suspect because, like, part, you know, part, partly, like, some of the people. I mean, are- obviously, like, like, Cheryl Blossom is the red herring because she's been set up so, like, easily as, like, you know, this is the person you should suspect. You're like, no, we shouldn't. She knows something, but she's not going to be the killer. I mean, are they just... are they like hinted like uh, I feel like they hinted it in the first episode, but are they going with that whole like weird incest no. thing with him and no, her? No, no, because okay. the the way they they set it up is that uh, this is my understanding of the Lobian. I'm going to call it Lobian murder mystery, as I understand it. Is okay. Jason Blossom dies, right? But the original plan was he didn't die on July 4th like everybody thought. Like, they were going off to fake his death so he could, quote-unquote, escape the, the, the shackles of his parents because he was going out with and engaged to Betty's sister. Who's the crazy one. Who's oh, well, the crazy one in the asylum in the recent episode or whatever. Like, and apparently she's pregnant with his baby or something. So like, you know, and, 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 and like that, that was the whole gist was like, they were going to fake his death and then he was going to run off with her, like elope with her basically. And, and, and then I guess that didn't work out because at some point, like maybe a week later from the 4th of July, somebody actually did like shoot him in the head awesome so so and 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 i would imagine i mean you know i'm probably horrible at figuring out like who who did what or whatever but i mean right now like jughead and betty kind of think her parents had something to do with it even though they've they've denied it but they they certainly are sort of not 
Jason's biggest fan, you know, like they he knocked up yeah. his daughter. And, and like I said, Jason's mom is yeah. is fucking bitchy yeah. and evil. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that right off the bat yeah. from the first episode yeah. with all those like, passive aggressive comments yeah. and yeah. whatever. So like, I, I was just, yeah. I don't know. Well, like if one of you guys is gonna follow it, I was just gonna ask you guys to let me know when uh, John Bernthal guest stars and he can be like. Come on, Red, you gotta take this guy out. Like, <laughs> permanent life. I was like, you know what I was thinking? Because, like, you know how, like, Miss Grundy's, like, super hot? So, like, I was thinking of how, like, the Punisher, like, in Punisher versus Archie, like, kissed Miss Grundy on the forehead before he, like, leaves Riverdale and everything. I was like, dude, they gotta get, like, John Bernthal to, uh, to make <laughs> out with that hot Carl's Jr. Miss Grundy or whatever, you know? I'm just looking forward to when Archie and like his pals go to an island and they get attacked by the predator. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I guess that kind of ties up Riverdale, though, um, more or less. Unless anybody's got anything else to add. My theory on who killed Jason, like, I, I think if they follow like the course they've set with Betty being bonkers on the show, like, I think they'll like reveal that maybe Betty killed him. Because, you know, she's all, like, really into this whole, like, you know, Polly and Jason thing. And then when she was pour- pouring the syrup on, uh, what's his name, in the bathtub or the hot tub, uh, she had, like, a little moment there where she thought she was Polly and he mm. was Jason. So, like, I can totally imagine her, like, freaking out, you know, when she, like, you know, finds out, like, he's did all these terrible things to her sister and all this and you know, she like just she, has this mental split and kills him. And it'll it'll be she goes you know, all it'll be she like goes a, all Norman Bates on him or something. Well, I was thinking like you know, following like the Twin Peaks thing, it'll be like you know, I guess like twenty five year old spoilers, but it'll be like you know, who killed Laura, Laura Palmer in Tw- Twin Peaks? Like it was this kind of a you know similar thing where it wasn't really the killer; it was like an alternate personality from another place where people talk backwards or something right 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 <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> look for the new book coming out from uh, archie comics uh archie loves crazy and veronica uh, <laughs> 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 oh um one, yeah, one, one last the only other thing that like just made me laugh and like i don't know why it made me laugh because i was you know i i, I for some reason i thought like looking at like the ages of the actors and like what they look like, I assumed they were all like seniors in high school. So when they said they were sophomores, yeah, I was like, I was like, I la- I just like involuntarily like went, ah, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah. Like I remember when I think it was Betty who said that and I was like, you know, it's my sophomore year. And I'm like, fuck no, it's not. It's your sophomore year in college. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yes, the, the, it is the, the hot, sexy, new teen drama from CW. Um, I was paid to say that, so go watch it. Um, hey, no, I wasn't paid. Hey, guys, this <laughs> is KJ Appa, and you're watching Archie, the new sexy <laughs> drama on the CW. Rocky. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, Archie, Archie is, is, is an Aussie. Yeah, he's uh, he's Australian, so uh, should take that for what you will. <laughs> Oh, uh, but Riverdale, I, I, again, I would say I, I, I kind of side with Derek, you know, shit, I don't know. I don't know your life. You might like it for wank material. You might think Betty and Veronica are hot and you know, they're like 25 years old, so it's okay. But you don't or... know your life. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Uh, so that's Riverdale. That is our someplace cold. I think we went pretty cold there, guys. I don't think we gave it too much love. Uh, but you know, so that is a- so cold. So cold. So cold. So cold. <laughs> We've been trying to contact you for days, Wolverine. Where have you been? Somewhere cold. But however, we're going to move on to our next topic. This one does not have a catchy, uh, clever title. But we decided, with, since we're doing a retro show, we're going to talk about something in in the past. A lot of us, uh, me and Derek especially, and we were in our, I think, late 50s and the uh, early 90s. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, you know, a lot of us like 90s music. We uh, grew up with that in our lives. You know, I, I was actually a teen slash early 20s during the 90s. But there's a lot of big bands, different genres, and just stuff you liked. And as far as music, when you grow up, when you're a teenager or in your early 20s, music does mean a lot to you. It can actually mold your like personality. You know, you find certain music that like, yeah, that guy's saying what I want or that girl. She's so cool. Like, like that, I wish my girlfriend was that cool. The songs they sing really do hit you and impact your life and they, they stay with you. Um, we're not going to talk about favorite artists. We're not going to talk about favorite song. We're talking about like, you know, our favorite 90s album, you know, like like the album that like really made us happy you know because because an album is a a microcosm of a sound you know it's like you can pick a hit song but the rest of the album could suck or the album could be half good half bad but that album is still really something you like and you you don't even care about the bad songs so for that we're going to go to our favorite 90s album i won't go first because uh i think i want to hear you guys' thoughts first i'm going to go with you know, not not to not to pick on you, Mike, our our youngest fan hole. I want to pick on Mike a little bit. And what is what is your favorite uh, '90s album, sir? Well, I think I've already discussed this with you guys, but I'm not like so much a music guy. Like, I mean, I usually like listen to a song, and if I like it, I'll just kind of add it to a pile of other songs. So, like, I don't go out of my way usually to buy like you know albums or CDs or anything. So, like, I'll just default to what my usual like responses and like these kind of topics and just say um my my I picked bad hair day by weird al yankovic like that's probably my favorite like 90s album like that's <laughs> that has so many good like parodies on it like amish paradise and um uh the night santa went crazy and uh everything you know is wrong like that has the so many good songs on it and yeah, I mean that's really it. I mean, I, like, I, I don't. I I would just like my dad would like have me listen to music, and I'd be like, yeah, I like that. Like, put it on a mix CD or a mixtape for me, and then he'd do that. So it's like I wouldn't really spend a lot of money on like new albums or new CDs or anything. But you know, Weird Al, whenever he came out with something new, I'd buy something from him. So you've you've seen Weird Al in concert too, right, Mike? Yeah. Yep. Probably in the at the tail end of the '90s too. Yeah, uh, Weird, Weird Al has like always been credited as being like a very underrated singer because he actually is a good singer. He's a really good like artist. He he's very knowledgeable about music, but a lot of people give him shit because he's a you know he is a comedy singer. That's what he does. He makes parodies and he he, he sings funny silly songs. But yeah, he's he's he, I mean like. I, I I don't think I I mean what, what not to they, sound. What did they say on fucking stupid Flash where 
Harry from Earth 19's like he was a great poet. Yeah. Great poet, Al, Al Alvin, Yankovic, Alvin yeah. Yankovic, or whatever. And they're like, you mean Weird yeah. Al? Like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good line. Yeah, we, is it because of the hair? Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, I was actually going to pick on us as fan holes because we're we're geeks, and I'm like, don't worry, we're not going to all go pick Weird Al albums. <laughs> but you picked it out of the gate, and that's funny. But no, it, it's 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 a this is a good album. It's one of his best albums, Amish Paradise. Is so is so funny because he he had this ability to take very serious songs and just make them just ludicrous. You know, it's like the uh, you know, Gangsta's Paradise is about growing up poor and like the urban blight and like trying to like you know make something better yourself and knowing you never can. Amish Paradise is about raising barns and you know churning butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see the Did you ever see the music video for that? Oh, like, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. a great music video. Like I like. <laughs> When the Amish kids are like looking at porn, and it's just some like Amish girl showing her an- ankle or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like wearing the whole like acidic, like you know, like <laughs> Amish like yeah. beard and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's fucking great. And and am I wrong? But wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer in that video? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. I, I, think so. I haven't looked at it. Yeah. Which is really cool because she was she was in the original like Coolio video, yeah. Remember Coolio? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm doing this uh, chronologically, so uh, I will go to Justin next. The the I don't know third youngest person on fan holes. Well, I'm going to take a page from Mike's book and talk about some honorable mentions. And despite what he may tell you, like Mike did invent honorable mentions, and I won't hear anything other. <laughs> um. My first one is actually, I think I may have talked about this on a previous show where we discussed music, but uh, Bjork's album Post, like in the in the late '90s, Bjork was a thing, and I, I always like thought, Bjork. I see, I always thought she was like really extremely weird. I mean, she had like a dress that looked like a swan, and she she just seemed like she seemed like Betty from Riverdale. Like I just thought she was like totally wacko space cadet. So like I kind of like didn't pay much mind to her music, but then like. In the early 2000s, like I, uh, I was seeing this woman, and we, we would hang out with this group of friends, and we would usually be like the last two, like you know, we would we would be like the last two soldiers, like left standing after a night of like drinking, and we would put, you know put some music on. I remember looking through her, her like extensive CD collection, and I saw Bjork. I was like Bjork, and I just started laughing. She's like, wait, why are you laughing? Like, what's what's wrong with Bjork? I was like. She's totally like wacko, crazy, and she's like, "Have you ever sat down and actually listened to her?" I was like, "Well, no." So she put in an album, and I sat there and listened to it. I was like, "This is good. Like, this is really good." And she's like, "Oh, if you like this one, you'll like the like the you know you're really gonna like the next like three or four albums." So I like I got hooked on Bjork. I think she's kind of really kind of underrated and un- unappreciated. I really like. Um, she's, very, next- she's a very talented. She she is crazy yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. My next uh, honorable mention is Radiohead, OK Computer. I remember seeing the music video for Paranoid Android, and it's like this kind of like weird, kind of like a sketchy, almost like Dr. Katz early home movies animation where everything's <laughs> – it wasn't it wasn't Squiggle Vision. It just looked really – Squiggle kinda, Vision. Yeah, it, it, it didn't look – it wasn't Squiggle Vision exactly. It just looked kind of, I don't know, crappy. But for some reason, I was like – just kind of memor- mesmerized by like the the story it was telling and the music, and I really got into Radiohead, you know, almost as much as I got into Bjork. Like I went back and 
you know, bought a lot of Radiohead albums, and I still really enjoy their uh, their music. Like, they're still putting out music, and Tom York has, like, put out at least one solo album, maybe maybe two. But, like, I, I really love Radiohead. I, I would say that they've even maintained their status of still being rather cutting edge with their sound. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, but my favorite album from the 90s, and it's probably an obvious one because it was such a huge album, but this is like this is one of those things that like got me into listening music in the first place. Um, my uh, my favorite album is Nirvana. Never mind. And I I think I talked about this on that same ancient episode where we discussed music and stuff. Like I if I remember correctly, like my, the first album I ever bought was Green Day Dookie, and I bought it on cassette tape. Like remember cassettes, guys? Uh, <laughs> You're back in pod form. <laughs> It, the first like CD uh, I ever bought was Nirvana. Never mind. And kind of like watching that Radiohead album. Like I, I remember we didn't have uh, MTV for a long time. Like we just had you know like an antenna. So like I would go, you know, watch MTV at a friend's house or at my grandmother's or something. But I remember just flipping through the channels uh, when Smells Like Teen Spirit hit and. You know, seeing the music video, and I was just like, "What is this? Like, all these kids are like at school, and they're like rocking out and going crazy." And like, I was like really into the music. And like, I I, I know I've talked about this, but like, I remember when uh, Kurt Cobain died, and I remember like a, a lot of kids at school being upset. My cousin like cried and went home, and I was just like, "What is going on? Like, people are like losing their minds. Like, it's so bizarre." There, there was a really hot girl in our school who uh, loved Kurt Cobain, and. uh she was incredibly upset that like Kurt Cobain like had died, uh, to, to, to melodrama almost like you know fucking you know Carol Danvers like ah, cried, and um I remember uh, back then I was uh, never the most hunky handsome guy in high school, and but I, I was I was a part of the uh, the the geeks and the freaks you know that that was actually a thing it's not just a TV show they, you know like geeks and freaks kind of hung out together in the nineties because we had similar interests and um. I, re- I remember that, like, for, 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 like, two weeks, we were, like, best friends. Because I, I really liked Nirvana, too. I thought Nirvana was a great band. And she never knew that I liked, you know, Nirvana and stuff. She's like, you don't know about Kurt. And I was like, okay, bitch, shut up. Because, first of all, like, you know, I know, like, you know, like, fucking incesticide. You know, I know, like, fucking heart-shaped boxes and stuff. I know there's other stuff besides fucking Nevermind. She's like, you really do know about, like, Kurt, this genius. And I'm like... You know what? If you weren't hot, I would fucking walk away right now. But you're hot, and I'm a teenager, so I'm gonna keep talking to you. <laughs> I uh, I really got into the uh, Kurt Cobain Notebooks, which is like this huge book, and it's it's made to resemble like an old like wire notebook, and it's just full of like song lyrics. Uh, some of them are like alternate and you know uh, uh, unfinished, and it's full of just like little scribbles and doodles of like you know t-shirt designs he wanted to do and just like other like weird stuff and like i was like really into that like it was it was uh just extremely fascinating to like to i guess to to kind of like peer into someone's mind like kind of unfiltered because it's not you know he he wrote paragraphs uh like describing events to him so it's 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 kind of like half journal but then just like half it's it's just kind of like half half someone's journal and then just half like scribbling and ideas and stuff and i just i was just really fascinated just kind of like it was like kind of having like a little peek into someone's like creative process and their unfiltered mind and that you know he was like telling all these kind of like bizarre stories of things that had happened to him and 
there was also a documentary a, a couple years ago. It might have just been one year. I forget. I, I guess I'm getting old like you guys. But uh, it was called Montage of Heck. It's this really great documentary about Kurt Cobain and basically his whole life. And it goes into uh, you know his childhood and his fame and success. And it's kind of like. He, he hated fame. He hated being like famous. Yeah. Yeah. And the film is uh, animated. It has like this really kind of interesting animated style, kind of like the the film uh, through a scanner darkly. And it's it it uses um, like audio recordings uh, from Kurt uh, himself. So it's kind of like you'll see some animation of him like walking down a train track, and you'll hear like some, uh, but you'll hear some kind of like audio excerpt where he's talking about like you know stuff that happened to him in his past, and like getting into like his you know vicious argument with like his dad and. You know how 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 all these people are, you know, just d- demanding so much attention for him that he, he couldn't uh, take it. Yeah, I, I, that's where I come in at like a weird point with Kurt because I, I think when I was telling that story about that girl, it was like there was a lot of times on TV he would be an asshole, and he could be a huge asshole, but I mean it did, it did come from a, a painful place. But me being the kind of logical person I am sometimes, I know, shut up, I can't be logical. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, like, you know, that pain, he he uh, filtered better into his music. And when he was just being kind of a dick, I understand it was because he was in pain. But, like, at the same time, I was just like, your music is so good. Because I, I, I'm one of those people that really reserves the term genius for people. Everybody's, like, really easy to be like, oh, he's a genius. Oh, she's a genius. So, like, that person's a genius. Kurt, I think, was incredibly talented, incredibly talented musician. I mean, he was an incredible lyricist, very, very smart. He was very intelligent. I wouldn't say he was a genius just because that is a really high bar, but I think he was definitely the guy who, who really did. You know, I mean, everybody talks about grunge from the 90s. Nirvana really, I think, really did like start the grunge movement. That, that was them. So I can't take that away from them, you know? It's it's interesting. I mean, I suppose if you if you put the moniker artistic before genius, then it doesn't seem as that day as, as fun, yeah. kind of blatant. No, but I I appreciate what you're saying because because uh, you know you, you start to think like well you know a genius is somebody who you know changes the world you know like like reinvents something or takes us to space or you know that that kind of thing i you would think you would apply it to but i mean obviously his work touched a lot of people i mean i you know i i was there when all that stuff went down and i was i was into nirvana before he committed suicide so like that you know i don't know that i was the the hot girl you described but you know it was one of those things where it, it you know for for that brief moment i'm derek we all, we all know that courtney love killed him we know that <laughs> it, it, it weighed it weighed kind of heavy on you you know and and i you know just going into my thing real quick i mean the the, the album i picked as my favorite was in utero because i hmm. i feel like that one like for me, like, I guess what I tried to look at was, and and this may reflect more on you know, Tony may understand this more than than Mike or Justin, given how Mike's described how he likes songs and kind of takes songs that he likes. You know, it's like I I mean it, it's that whole kind of current day music mentality where you know iTunes exists. I mean, you don't have to buy. A fucking album if you like a song you know what i mean like right. like if you like a song and there's a hit song you get 
a song, you know, whereas I think, you know, when, when we were buying albums on tape or, or CD or vinyl or whatever, you know, like that, it was like you had to buy the whole fucking thing. And I got to be honest, like there, there are plenty of bands I like. There are plenty of things I could list as honorable mentions, but I, I sort of tried to think of it as, and, and this probably is repeating myself also from that, you know, the, the old show that Justin mentioned where we were just talking about favorite musical albums. But, you know, I, I tried to think of it as, do I like listening to the entire album? You know, it's it's like, it's one of those things where I know there's some stuff where I'm like, dude, I like Smashing Pumpkins. I like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. But it's like, did I listen to all the songs on that double disc, like all the way through, backwards and forwards? all the time like i gotta be honest like no there's certain songs i think are are genius you know where i'm like i love that song like that's a great fucking song and i listen to that one song all the fucking time but i didn't always listen to the entire album so like to me that's like one of those things where like i couldn't quite commit to that and i mean the the closest some other albums got for me was maybe maybe core you know stone temple pilots core i know i would listen to the entire album and and probably maybe everclear's sparkle and fade like i really did legitimately mm, enjoy yeah. listening to the entire wow i forgot about clear wow damn i, I, I did i did really enjoy listening to that entire album like backward and forward but of of all those things i mean you know i know if brian were here he'd probably want to throw in some nods to weezer and things like that and i i liked weezer but it's like, it's well, like the, you know the blue album was 1999 so it's kind of like way way like out there in the <laughs> 90s. but you know like that that's something that i could probably legitimately say i i like listening to you know Weezer albums the entire album all the songs and everything but I mean as far as just settling on one you know I, I picked In Utero just because I think it was one of the bands that I connected to the most I I don't know that that appreciation for Nirvana lasted as long as Justin's like I haven't seen all those documentaries but there was there was a period in my life where I I thought I was gonna like write plays about Kurt Cobain and like do something with that like that there was some kind of story to tell and now I think about it and go it's not my story to tell you know like but you know whatever it, it was just like one of those things where it, it was something that did impact you a great deal and and I I did like all the songs on that particular album you know and and as far as like i i remember like heart-shaped box was something i did in my my video production class in high school where we we'd go to the mall and like i'd put a bunch of different music to to us running around the new park mall and and one of those yeah. was heart-shaped box you know or whatever or, or like how controversial rape me was yeah. yeah there was that i mean you know obviously like to, to a lot of people it's like, you know, somebody was offended and, and you know, I, I'm sure many somebodies were offended by that. But, I mean... He was actually talking about the music industry, yeah. He was talking about himself. He was, you know, like, that's... Well, yeah, that too. Know, yeah, like, his like, life, too. You know, there, there's there's that kind of aspect to, to a lot of the different songs. I mean, I, I, I guess the two biggest, like, the, the, the quote-unquote songs they tried to mainstream 
you know, was probably Heart Shaped Box, because I remember the music yeah. video for that, and then probably, like, All Apologies, because that was, like, on the Unplugged thing, too, and, you know, but it was on, it was on In Utero, and, and you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, I was just reading the wiki, uh, you know, before we came on, and it, it's interesting that Justin picked Nevermind, because they, they sort of describe how the band, or maybe at least Kurt Cobain, was not entirely pleased because part of that process for them was kind of selling out to get Nevermind made, you know, like... Yeah, it was was a big release. Their first album was Bleach. Yeah, Yeah. like, they did Bleach, they did Incesticide, and those weren't exactly hits, but Nevermind was the thing that, like, put them on the map, and they had to do a music video, and they had to go on MTV, and yeah, that's where most of us found out that they existed, but... To them, it was like, oh, no, man, or at least to him, I guess. It was like he, he sold out, and the sound was too clean, and it wasn't grungy enough, and, and, and those kind of things that weighed on his mind, his, you know, quote-unquote artistic yeah. integrity and all that kind of stuff. And it, and I will freely, freely say I'm not one of those posers who was like, man, I listened to Bleach first. No, I listened to Nirvana with Nevermind, and then I went back through their catalog, yeah. so I'm no, not no, going to no, be one yeah. of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I owned all those albums, but yeah, I mean, just like Tony, I mean, I you know, you didn't know who Nirvana was until you saw them on MTV. You know what I mean? Like, like you didn't know, you know? And, and so anyway, you know, so that, that, I, I don't even think that's like a real, you know, debate or whatever, but you know, that the, uh, the, the, the follow-up album, you know, to Nevermind was in utero. And, and I, I, they, they seem to talk about how there was that desire to, sort of have no studio interference, like to just sort of capture this quote unquote clean, dirty grunge sound, you know, and, and the way they would <laughs> I say like clean but dirty. You know, you know the, <laughs> the way they would set up all the, the, the mics around the drums and, and set up like multiple mics and how, you know, I guess Yeah, there there's like reverb and static and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they you know, that aspect to those albums and everything and and like it's interesting how they describe some of it is kind of like being kind of like a, a a john lennon like there there's some beauty in some of those tracks on the album but then there's also some of those tracks that are very you know he screams and there's pain and kind of like a uh you know a lot of fast-paced kind of rock type stuff and and so you you know it's like it's like he he didn't try to blend those two together yeah i I was like breed i thought breed was a great song so i you know i i I guess just for me like that's what i'd sort of point to is is uh, and i i feel like maybe i'm repeating myself because i feel like i probably mentioned this album when we talked about just favorite albums in general but i mean this was i mean 1993 i mean it was it was dead dead set in the nineties and everything, you know? So, and, and, uh, you know, like I said, like the way I looked at the answer to this question is, do I legitimately like, you know, like, like basically when you had cassette tapes, did you like listening to side a and side B all the way through? And if the answer, and then rewind it again and listen to it again. Right. And if the answer <laughs> to that is yes, then, then yes, it's, you know, it fits this criteria of being a favorite album as opposed to a favorite band or a favorite song or what have you but that's that's definitely my takeaway from it i mean i i think all your guys' choices are pretty cool too like i mean i liked i liked everything that everybody was talking about because I, I i think like weird al has a lot of cool 
you know, fun songs like that Mike brought up and everything. And, and I, I like Nevermind and even some of the other like sort of honorable mentions that Justin mentioned. I mean, I was, I, I, I don't know that I could point to a Radiohead album and go, that's my favorite album, but there were definitely like songs that Radiohead had that were, you know, certainly favorites of mine, you know, like that was definitely something that, yeah. that I enjoyed. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the other thing too was uh, you'd notice like, oh, you know, there's all these random lists like Rolling Stone had like a, a top 100 albums from the 90s or something like that. And I think In Utero was number seven and and Nevermind was number one. So like so like those those basically had big roles. I know I know a number of the Radiohead albums were in that 100 and you know some of the stuff that we've been talking about. I I don't know if Weird Al was on that list. I didn't I didn't see I didn't I didn't even think to look. But but uh, I'm pretty sure like there were a lot of those kind of albums that we've been talking about on that that uh, Rolling Stone top 100. But I'm kind of curious now. What what's your uh, favorite album, Tony? Um, mine is not going to be popular, probably, uh, <laughs> or or even cool. Um, due to Justin doing honorable mentions, I did have some albums that I was really close to putting on there. So I will I will give them the 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 merit of being honorable mentions. Um, I, I was I was kind of a punk kid when I was growing up. I, I had long hair, wore black jeans, combat boots, and rock and roll t shirts, and uh, had a leather jacket. Believe it or not, kids. Yeah, that was me. So I liked a lot of metal music. A lot, a lot I liked a lot of rock. Uh, some of the albums I would give honorable mention to would be the Black Album by uh, Metallica. Great fucking album. Probably one of the best Metallica albums ever. I'm pretty sure that was, uh, I'm pretty positive that was on the Rolling Stone top 100 list. I don't remember what number it was, but I'm positive it was on there. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's just it, it is one of those albums you can listen to all the way through and just just totally enjoy it. Uh, some of the other ones that might not be on that that uh, that list. Uh, I like Rancid, Out Come the Wolves. They were a punk band. They were originally uh, most of them were in the uh, band Operation Ivy, which was a huge thing as far as the punk movement in the early '90s. But a lot of people felt that Rancid was a sellout, and I was like, "Fuck you!" I like Rancid. That was a good fucking album. Um, they had they had kind of a ska punk feel to them. It had like you know the uh, the organ and some some uh, brass into it and stuff. Really good band. I, I always like Rancid. I don't know why people give them shit. Um, and then I would probably go for like a, a third honorable mention. I know, like so many, so many honorable mentions. And I know it's going to surprise you, but I would say probably Nevermind. That would probably be my third honorable mention. Not because it's not good. It is great. I love Nirvana. Nirvana is a great band, but I can't deny that he wasn't talented. I can't deny that he had a voice. And like, you know, I, I would say he was a performer. And when I say that, that is not an insult. Like you said, Derek, he would scream and like get into his like you know his music. He wasn't a singer. He didn't just go out and sing. He was like, "I'm gonna sing a song." No, he would he put it all out there, you know. And yeah, just like, I, I I think um I think In Utero is a better album than Nevermind, but I ended up going with Nevermind just because. Like that was the first one that hooked me in and just, you know, just because of nostalgia, because like I remember sitting and listening to, you know, what was my first CD and just, you know, laying in bed with headphones, staring at the ceiling and just like listening to the music and just being like, whoa, like this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is totally like 
a listenable album, and I don't say that like lightly. I mean, it's hard to listen to some albums all the way through, like Derek said. You have to go on that journey and be like, I like every song. Uh, mine is actually Angel Dust by Faith No More. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Faith No More is is got a cult following. Is a band headed by Mike Patton. He is uh, he is to me almost a genius. And I know I said I don't use that term lightly, and I don't. He is crazy. He is inventive. He has this incredible musical background. And I said almost a genius, not not a genius. So don't give me shit for that, guys. But uh, Angel Dust was something I didn't expect because the real thing was Faith and More's big breakout album because of Epic. Everybody knows that song, you know, you want it out. Yes, yeah, that was their big hit. And everybody was like, oh, they're, you know, that, that was their big hit. They're not going to do anything else. And they came out with the second album. Did it have a lot of big hits? Nope, it did not. Not going to lie to you. Uh, Midlife Crisis was probably their biggest follow-up for that album. Not a big hit. But that album is so listenable. They have such a unique sound. And one of the things I always say, and this is going to sound curmudgeonly and like old man as fuck, but I hate Limp Biscuit with a passion. And one of the reasons I hate Limp Biscuit is not just because uh, Fred Durst is a dickhole. That I don't apologize for. He's a fucking cunt. I hate that guy. But uh, the big thing I hate about Limp Biscuit is like, man, like, you know, they came out in like the late, like mid, late 90s. And it was like, man, they did like rock and rap before anybody else. And I'm like, fuck you. Faith No More did it first. Okay, probably not first, but they did it better. Because <laughs> yeah, Mike Patton would do rap. He would do like, you know, these strings of, uh, you know, rapping during his songs. And the reason I like Angel Dust so much is because it's so weird. It pulls you in with all these strange songs. I mean, they do a version of like fucking, you know, Midnight Cowboy, and it's just an instrumental, and it's so good. It's so good, and like all the other songs, Mike Patton has one of those voices to me. It doesn't, you know, have to apply to you guys or anybody listening right now. He has one of those voices that pulls me into a song. The way he sings, like Kurt Cobain, he is a performer. He goes out there and he'll scream at the right point because he feels the song, or he'll just like be laid back and. You know, there's a song called RV, where he he's basically like his character in the song is a middle-aged man talking about how his life is shit. And even as a teenager, I was like, damn, that's dark because it does get dark. There's some dark points in this album. And I I, I got I, I got uh, Angel Dust through like BMG or, or Columbia Music. I was a fucking 16 year old boy ordered from their little like put a penny on here and you get eight cds and you can pay us later i'm like cool i'm never paying you i'm getting eight cds totally did that um <laughs> columbia house sorry probably owe you like a hundred dollars but fuck you you're you don't exist anymore probably <laughs> and i got my box of cds i got eight cds and the first one i put in was faith no more um and i listened to that motherfucker i had I, I can't even tell you the other seven cds can't even tell you because I listened to them, they were great. I, I had no, I, I know I liked them. I know they were artists I liked, but I, I, I just kept listening to Angel Dust because it is so weird, so whacked out. Their their way of doing music was so different, you know. Even opposed to like Nirvana, because Nirvana did have that grungy sound, but Faith and More had that metal sound. But they weren't metal. They were not like you know. They weren't Metallica, and I love Metallica. Metallica is a iconic band. They've been revered for like 30 years now and you know i know their place in history but faith no more like i said when you're a teenager 
and you're looking for your own voice, I've always been weird. I've always had a weird sense of humor. I've always, you know, identified with the strange and odd things in life. And I, I think those things are fascinating. And this band was just so weird and it spoke to me. And that's probably what helped, you know, kind of define my personality. So, yeah, Angel Dust. If you don't like Faith No More, that's cool. But if you never heard of them, there, there's Angel Dust, King, you know, King for Day, Full for a Lifetime. There's all these albums they put out after they were like, you know, a one hit wonder. Um, I, I love that band, but it's not just I love that band. That album was really good. And it's something if you listen to, it is a journey and it does kind of give you ideas it gives you stories that you can think about so that, that would be mine everybody's like i've never heard that album <laughs> I, I i i know faith no more i i know angel dust but i i i struggle with with these kind of topics because i i think you did a good job of explaining you know why you like the album and everything sometimes i i i find myself struggling to figure out how to verbalize how you feel about music sometimes you know like that how it sort of because sometimes it, it's just you know it, it's sort of like a personal thing or a feeling thing and and it, it's usually always easier to sort of have that in tandem you know like you can underlay music with something or or you know like i, I guess i i thought of things because there were bits of music that I would use in plays or, you know, like one of the songs on Unplugged, you know, MTV album for Nirvana was something in the way. And I, I remember I named one of my plays that I wrote after that song. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to convey to you like that other than, you know, that song meant something to me, but it inspired you. Yeah. You know, but, but that's, that's about as best as I can verbalize it. So, so I, 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 I appreciate, you know, kind of what you were, you know, how you were explaining it to us, Tony. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I, you know, I'm secret brothers with Derek because it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know how to, you know, succinctly convey to you like my feelings about Bjork, but like, it, you know, somewhere, you know, as George Urbanks would say in, in Misa head thoughts, uh, somewhere, in, somewhere in my head thoughts, like I, you know, when I'm listening to Bjork, like I think about every now and then I like, I'll think about that woman who first got me into listening to Bjork and I haven't seen her in 10 years and I don't even remember what her voice sounds like, but somewhere like in the back of my head, like I'll think about her or I'll think about that night specifically, or, you know, uh, half a dozen other nights we had where we were just, you know, the last two standing after like you know some crazy night and we would just you know sit around in the dark with a candle listening to like whatever music we, we had and just you know just just having like kind of like an easygoing laid back you know kind of a night but it's i mean i, I can tell the story to you but you know it, in my head there's more to it because you know like Derek said it, it's it's really personal and it's kind of hard to accurately sum it up into words yeah i i mean i i do feel strongly about music because there are certain things that uh like you said justin a, a a song or an album like it it is a point in your life it is like a photograph in your head like i remember that song playing when i was doing this i remember this song playing when i was doing this and you know you you, you can actually if you put it in your head 
you can make a soundtrack for your life. You know, there's always songs playing somewhere, sometime, even in your head. You know, you don't have to be listening to music like accurately. There's been times where I've been like, you know, talking to you guys on fan holes and I'm like, there's a song that pops in my head. I'm like, this this describes this moment. And it is hard to put it into words because music is obviously created. It's constructed. You know, you have instruments, you have voices, but it's also a feeling. And when a, a, a song gives you a feeling, that feeling is tied to that, you know, emotion. And that emotion can bring back memories. It can bring back, you know, events. And I think that's why I like Angel Dust so much because there's been times in my life where I, I was struggling and I had a hard time. And, you know, there was times where I was feeling really good and stuff. And I heard some songs that made me happy and stuff. But I, I just remember Angel Dust being like one of those albums like in my life. I was in early high school. Like I said, I wasn't the most popular kid in school. And, you know, I was, I was even fatter than I am now. I was like really, really big in high school. And I remember like me liking the music I liked. And, and standing up for it because you know everybody else would be like you know like Metallica's better than Faith No More and I'm like I don't know I like Faith No More and they're like yeah and I'm like yeah and they're like that's cool man you know it's like you know it kind of gave me happy moments it was like how I was able to define my personality I wasn't going with the flock I wasn't listening to everybody else I wasn't like you know oh yeah I love uh, shit what New Kids on the Block that was that was a thing <laughs> in the 90s right I think <laughs> Can I, can, have I, I don't know if I've told this story and I'm, I'm comfortable enough in myself to tell it to you guys, but like, I remember when, when those stupid fucks came out and had their little album and everything. And of course they played it ad nauseum on MTV. Right. And I can't remember what song it was or what the fuck, whatever. But I was like, Oh yeah, I guess they're playing this album. I guess this is kind of okay. Like, you know, some new band or whatever. And, and so I listened to that, whatever that their big hit song was where they're playing basketball and running around being doofuses or whatever. Right. And I'm thinking like, Oh yeah, I guess this is just a new band. Right. This is cool. Right. And then it dawned on me. Like I was kind of like, Oh, like girls like this band, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, I was like, oh, well, yeah, fuck those guys. Like I didn't like that song. I didn't, fuck that, fuck like, that, fuck those new kids guys. You, know? you were like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I need some pizza rolls right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I guess you guys didn't expect me to be that passionate about music, but uh, I don't really share my love of music that often because I do have strange tastes in music. I, I, I like the weirdest of the weird. I, I listen to stuff that is usually outside the box. And I don't say that as a cool hipster, like, dude, man, I listened to that before they were even cool. It was like, no, I listen to stuff that people don't usually listen to. <laughs> it's just kind of how I've always appreciated music. I like people who have a, a certain voice. And, you know, all these albums you guys have said, I mean, I listen to all of those and those are all great albums. I actually am a pretty big music fan. I really do love music. Um, I think I think this was one of the uh, topics I was like in my head. I was like, these guys are going to be surprised at what I'm going to say, I think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, uh, like 90s music in general. Check it out. There was grunge. It was it was kind of a rebirth of hip hop. There was R&B, there was, you know, like the pop music scene was, you know, and like we said, there was new kids on the block and stuff, but there was, you know, some interesting stuff. There was like Taylor Dane and stuff like that. Like her, she's cool. Um, you know, and there's there like a big, Damn! you know, come. 
I wish I was your lover. That was that was not Taylor Dane, but still, I do remember that song. <laughs> um, but yeah, that there there was a big uh uh uh. uh surge of female artists who actually got credit for being good i love liz fair she's one of my favorite uh 90s female artists you know uh it was it was it, i think it was a really good time for music it was it was experimental it's where alternative came from you know, now it's kind of funny because back then you know guys like uh nirvana soundgarden and pearl jam they were like grunge that's what they were and nowadays they've like fixed the label and they're like no they're alternative it's like no nah, they were grunge <laughs> You can call them alternative, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots, same thing. They're like, yeah, they're, they're, they're alternative now. They're, they're kind of grunge. Like, modern music is shit. I'm sorry, did I say that? My, my bad. Um, <laughs> not a big fan of most modern music. It's not because I'm old. It's just because most of it sucks. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there now if you look for it. You have to look for it, though. Don't look for the pop. Don't look for, you know, the, the rap. There's good rap out there. There's good pop out there, but it's not the stuff they play on the radio. I have no problem with new music, but... I think there was a time where there was stuff coming out on the radio that should not have been on the radio. And you're like, holy shit, this is on the radio. You know, it was like, it, it was, it was a more exciting time. It was a more interesting time for music. And now everything has been kind of uh, sterilized for your protection or it, it's scandalous to be scandalous, you know, like Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj, like shaking her ass. It, it's not controversial because that's how society is now. It's like shaking your ass is a cool thing. Nicki Minaj is doing it right. It's like, no, she's just shaking her ass on a video talking about butts. That is her song. It's like called Anaconda. It's about butts. Like, like Baby Got Back was a much more interesting song that you stole from him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I, am I being too hard on like new music or do you guys actually like, like modern music? <laughs> I don't want none unless you got buns, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often wonder if my distaste for most new music is because I'm old and kind of, you know, grumpy about things. Like I, I've been wondering about that lately, but I don't, I don't really know what my answer is. To be honest, I don't know. It's weird. I, I hear things sometimes where it's like I, I feel like I've gone through periods in my life where music was like super important to me, and then that importance sort of faded you know like i mean it, it doesn't mean that i don't like the music but i mean other than this podcast like i i did re-listen to in utero before we came on but i mean i can't remember the last time i really went out of my way to like i know justin a lot of times you'll talk about on the show like music is a part of your daily life still like it, whether it's you know maybe it's not the the, the latest song from you know, numb nuts McGee or whatever, but like, you know, you, you might listen to something, you know, when you're, you know, exercising or running around or doing whatever you're doing, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know that I, I mean, I don't know, like the, lately, like what I, I kind of, I listen to podcasts on commutes and, you know, sometimes I, I listen to some soundtracks cause I know I'm editing things and I'm going to be using stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know that I, I feel like since there was that transition to like digital music and iTunes and all that other kind of stuff, like, I don't know, like I, I, I don't really, I mean, even, even some of the bands that, uh, you know, I know I follow or I did follow, like, I don't know that I'm like Brian where like the latest Weezer album comes out and I, I rush to buy it or get 
you know the digital copy of the whole thing. It's like I I did really like Weezer, but I I can't tell you I've listened to their most recent albums. You know, so I I don't know. Is it is it, is it like that South Park episode where like everything Randy was listening to just sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this shit coming out of. I mean, I I don't even know. I don't know. I don't even know if I I get as far as the effort to turn on the. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah, this is gonna be. <laughs> I think what I do is uh, when modern music, I, I I do try to avoid like popular stuff. And it, again, it's not like a hipster like oh I want to listen to like the coolest underground bands. It's just the the people who are not as popular do their own thing, you know, and some of them suck. They do, but there's been some people I found, you know, some bands and some solo artists who I'll listen to their stuff and I'm like, shit, that's really fucking good. You know? And I think it, it, it does help to have an open mind. Again, I do love music. It does help like through my day. And you know, there, there's some popular songs I like. I can't fucking lie. I'm not going to say, her. I think Adele is fucking amazing. She's a great singer. I like, uh, you know, uh, shit, her name just slipped my mind. Sia. I think Sia is a great singer. And, you know, those those artists, like, you know, I like their songs. So I, I'm not just shitting on modern music. I'm just shitting on bad modern music. And there just seems to be a lot more bad modern music than it was in, you know, five years ago. I mean, it doesn't have to be, like, super current. I just think there's a lot of trash out there. And, you know, like, one of the biggest bands right now, they had, like, a big hit last year. Their, their fucking band name is the Chainsmokers. Go to hell. Fuck off. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm a chain smoker. I don't have a band. <laughs> no, but you have a podcast. I do. I do. And I just told them they suck. So <laughs> there you go. We're even chain smokers. You gave me a bad song. I gave you a, a diss on the podcast. We'll add them to the list of people who would never be on this show. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> chain smokers, send all your angry emails. to <laughs> And fans, I, I don't care. I hate their fucking music. They 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 suck. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, like you know, the nineties were like really great. Um, I don't have that much more to say as far as like my album picks. Do you guys have anything you want to add about like what you picked or just like the the music of the the decade in general? I saved this for last, guys. We are transitioning to the next segment, the last segment before a surprise awesome segment that you may see coming but maybe not depending on how long you've been listening to us because it's been a while since we did it but uh one thing we used to do near the end of the podcast was for the future yours in mind mike do it you do it better than i do yours in mind haven't done there. it in a while <laughs> we're a little rusty sorry guys for the future <laughs> We're a little rusty. Sorry, guys. Um, but basically for the future is, you know, we talk about comics or movies or, or TV shows that are coming up. This one's going to be basically a trailer uh, focused for the future. Um, I'm just going to give the trailer one by one instead of just giving all three at once because uh, these are all pretty big ones and they're all kind of uh, retro. Haha, <laughs> who would have figured that? Uh, I give credit to Derek for picking these. Um because they do have that kind of retro feel to them. Uh, the first one, uh, first trailer we saw is Alien Covenant. This is kind of a soft reboot of Prometheus. A lot of Prometheus fans, Mars, just him, are, are not happy about it. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the trailer is interesting. Um, I'll, I'll give a brief synopsis of it. There's a ship called the Covenant, and it's basically uh, colonizers who are going to settle a planet. 
aliens happen, there you go. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it does seem to be set in a more uh, alien-type atmosphere where it's like more closed in. The ship looks dirtier. It's not as clean and sci-fi as uh, Prometheus. Um, but a lot of people seem to think this is a good idea. There's some Actually, there's some comedic actors in this, which is interesting. And there's also some you know, more dramatic actors. Um, so I'm just going to let loose and ask you guys what you thought about the uh, Covenant trailer. I feel like I should like this, or I want to like this, but it's interesting, because I, I didn't go out of my way to watch tons and tons of trailers, but it's like, I watched the the official trailer that, you know, I linked all you guys to, and then when I, I went to the movies the other night, I saw, I think, maybe a longer version of this trailer, where they actually had some you know, CGI clips of the, you know, the alien, like, surfing the Covenant or whatever and stuff like that. And it was, like, one of those things where, like, you're like, this should be the money shot. Like, you should be like, fuck yeah, alien is surfing the fucking spaceship. And instead, I just kind of felt like, eh, you know, eh. Like, I don't know, and I, I kind of felt bad about that. Like, like I, 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 I want to get into this, but I don't, I don't know. It's It's, like, one of those things where... I, I don't I don't hate Prometheus, but it's just it's one of those things like you know like you know fooled me once burned me once like it, it's not it's not quite like you know I still have the obligation to go watch like comic book movies or whatever it's like it's like some stuff you might be like all right like I really want to like this but if you keep you know, if the stove keeps burning me, I'm going to stop touching it eventually, you know, like that thing. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, I, I hope I hope it's not. But, I mean, it, it seems like it, it's weird because I guess I'm glad that Ridley Scott's involved in it. But then at the same time, like, some of those sequences, like, even in the trailer, like, like it's, it's, it's like basically the, the whole premise is it's a bunch of couples going to colonize, like, a place so 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 it's it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the space love boat or whatever and like, <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that and then and then it's like stupid was on this, that'd be awesome <laughs> i mean i was just kind of like okay so these guys are like having sex in the shower but then they do that thing where the alien tail comes up between her like legs and you're just kind of like okay i get it like geiger stuff has always been like you know, subtly, you know, like creepy and sexual and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I was just kind of like, I don't know. It just seemed a little obvious, like, 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 it, you know, Jason Voorhees, like sticking a, a harpoon up somebody's thigh or something. You know, I don't know. I, I just, it, it seemed a little kind of obvious, I guess, which kind of surprised me. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, not, as, not as subtle as alien, I guess. You I would guess. Say. I mean, maybe, maybe the, 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 backlash that the studio got for Prometheus because people just didn't get it, maybe. You know, maybe now it's like, oh, well, if they didn't get it, like, we're gonna make sure you get it this time. Like, look, there's a fucking alien, there's two people fucking in the shower, and they're gonna get fucking killed. You know, get it now, you fucking retards, you know, or whatever. It's just like, I don't know. Well, well Derek, do, do, do you think Prometheus was too smart for the room? Do you think it was, like, a movie that, like, just, it wasn't bad, but just people were, like, literally just didn't get it? No, I don't. I don't want to be that that kind of hoity about it. You know, it, it's just maybe maybe the the pretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to come off as pretentious, but I mean, maybe it's just a conversation. You know, people weren't ready to to have. I mean, you know that that movie. 
you know, at its core was trying to deal with issues of faith along with all the the kind of cool Easter egg alien bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, maybe this movie, it's like, it's not going to have any of that. Like, no God, no divine creator, no great spirit, no, you know, what whatever you can think of. Like, they're not going to talk about any of that crap. It's just going to be, you know, fucking weird alien shit and people are gonna get to fucking and then instead of fucking they're gonna get to dying you know and it's just like all right i guess if if that's back to basics like i i I don't know how anybody else feels about it but i mean it it, all i can say is i kind of want to like it but i i i haven't been overly impressed with the the trailers so what about you Justin? i know you like alien movies what what do you think of the trailer i think i'm on uh, Derek's side with this like i I watched both the trailers and I wasn't really impressed. And, you know, to further go on what Derek's saying, I feel like if Prometheus is 2001 and Alien Covenant is, is 2010, it's like, oh, you didn't get that? Well, we're going to hold, we're going to hold your hand and we're going to explain this to you as you're like, you're a two year old. Yeah. And, and also, like, do we need another one of these movies? No. Like that's I, how I, I feel. I'm like, okay, what? Oh, it would be super cool if like the alien was like hopping around in the spaceship and like surfing on it and like <laughs> killing people in the shower. And then he's like, he's gonna look into the camera and say "gotcha" or something. I'm like, he's gonna he's gonna be like a bird and like fucking smash his head into the goddamn windshield because it's cool. Yeah. I'm mean, like, who cares? I mean, do we really do we need another? alien movie like i want to go to ridley scott and just i wish i could like play back like certain excerpts from like his commentaries of like alien and blade runner i'm like you remember when you were this guy like what are you doing (laughs) you know what i don't you you know what i kind of don't get it seems like the studio is like all right well we need the alien to jump and surf on the ship and butt its head because that's what people want to see they want to see the alien right but then it seems like ridley scott is more interested in like the dude stepping on fucking space fruit flies or whatever the fuck in that trailer. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff too. Like, I don't know how to explain that, but it's like, those were the aspects of Prometheus I could give two shits about. Whereas like, it's like, dude, I don't mind the, the, the heady stuff and the questions of faith and, and, and how that relates to space and and time and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know, like some of the stuff where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to answer some questions, but then it's like, here are some more weird things to throw in there. And I'm like, what does this have to do with engineers and aliens and all that kind of stuff? It's like, I just, I just want to, you know, know what the deal is with these like giant space fucking elephants that sit on a cannon and we're in the spaceship but no we gotta go into like fucking look it's the guy who like it's the face hugger but it's not like the face hugger that fits on like someone's face it's the face hugger that like humps your whole fucking body and like i'm just like (laughs) fucking who i don't know i don't i don't give a shit about that I mean, for like, I don't know, since Alien came out, people have been asking about the space jockey and whatnot. Like, where did he come from? Like, what was he doing there? And, I mean, I've had these same questions too, but like after 30-some years, I'm like, at this point, who cares? Who cares what the space jockey was doing on that planet? Like, why did he crash? Who cares? Like, it doesn't even matter. There's no 
grand cosmology designed to any of that. It's just stuff they like added afterwards as like uh, we need a cinematic universe because we got to compete with the Marvel. Like, do you really like? Do, do you really want to go down this road? Because you're kind of like making stuff cheap. I feel like it's like you know Tony. We're asking, does Riverdale ruin Archie? And I agree with Derek. No, but it's like if you want to ask me, does Alien Covenant ruin? the alien movies i'm like i mean i'm you know i'm like fanboy ranting just based on trailer but i at this point i kind of want to be like yeah i think it does like, i, I, don't, I, I, don't I feel like I, i'm kind of fa- i have that gut fanboy reaction i haven't even seen a trailer but that remember that picture that renaud posted of the predator cast like for that new predator oh movie? yeah and it looks like they're the fucking disney cast from like some tv special or something and you're just kind of like uh, yeah, I was just like, you you lost me, man. Like, you know. It's really sad when like the the Predator vs. Alien movies were actually better. <laughs> a, a Disney XD special, Predator Kids. Yeah, that's, that's what it looks like, you know. <laughs> um, I, I guess like you know, my my two cents is like, I'm kind of like Derek. I want to be interested in it, but I'm I'm not. I'm just really not. And I think Prometheus did play a role in that. And that's going more to Justin's side as like, you know, oh, the space jockey, what is he doing there? And honestly, like, as as a fan, that question is more important than the answer, if that makes sense. I like it being a mystery. It's like, why was he there? Yeah. No one will ever know. Who cares? You know, it's like, do we have to explain it? No, we don't have to fucking explain it. That's a cool mystery. It's like when you play in Metroid, you know, it's like, where are the Chozo? And they're like, oh, here's the Chozo. This is explaining what the Chozo are. And I'm like, no, they were just fucking statues who gave you, like, fucking bombs. Shut the fuck up. You know, let them be a mystery. Yeah, like, the, this whole idea that we have to explain everything and tell you everything. Yeah, you know, again, like Justin said, you have to hold my hand and, like, okay, guys, you didn't get Covenant. Here we go. We're going to go back into an old ship that's, like, dilapidated and there's going to be aliens. Remember how fun that was? They're back, you know, and yeah, enjoy sour sex scene. You know, it's just like I watched Covenant, and I didn't even know if I wanted to. I just picked it up because this is this is back in the heady days, two years ago, where or three years ago, where Redbox was a thing, and you know, I just like you know picked it up, put it in, watched it. Unlike you know Mars, who like loved it, and unlike people who hated it, I was like, that was a serviceable movie. Did I love it? No. Did I hate it? No. It was a movie. And I'm pretty good with that being my last alien experience. I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, not to be, you know, fucking blunt and, you know, an asshole. Alien 3 was my last alien experience. I was like, I'm, I'm okay. Charles S. Dutton is like a fucking prisoner and shit. And Ripley's dropping into lava. Okay, I'm done with alien. Fuck this shit. You know, like, I'm good with alien and aliens. If you if you like this franchise, Alien and Aliens is probably all you need to watch. What do you think, Mike? Well, I I've never been a real fan of like the Aliens like franchise. Basically, like I, I like Predator, but a- Aliens I don't know. Like I it it tends to like Predator is more like I guess suspense, and Aliens is more like horror. And I've never been like a big horror movie fan, so like and, and Prometheus bored me to tears. So like yeah, like I mean. I'm not unhappy to see it get away from that, but 
I, on the other hand, it's like like what like pretty much what Derek was saying is like if the alternative is just going back to what we've already seen before, then you know, count me out, forget about it. Then like if you don't have any new ideas, then you know, just don't even bother. But when you do the same thing, it's like Jason. It, it just gets tiresome after a while. It's like, oh, they're at Camp Crystal Lake. Jason's going to kill people. Got it. Seen it. Done it. You know, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but, you know, you can at least make the wheel, you know, more durable and put some chains on it, make it look cool and, you know, make it go through snow. Because right now, I think the Aliens franchise is snuck in a snowdrift and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> And remember, this is this is a this is a like shut the hell up and give us your money like type movie it seems like so. And, and remember to purchase your Funko Pop vinyl bobbleheads as you exit the theater. <laughs> yeah. We got to sell that shit. That. I know Mike's roommate's gonna buy them. So yeah. <laughs> most definitely, he'll be there on like fucking the twelve o'clock showing. Um, so for that for the future it got a little bit cold. I don't think we have really anything else to say about fucking covenant uh we're just not excited uh next up i'm actually kind of excited about this uh valerian and the city of a thousand planets this is a trailer for actually an old italian comic book series and a lot of people including our our benevolent uh moderator renaud on bot talk has pointed out that the valerian has been aped by star wars for a lot of his concepts uh, which is interesting. I mean, it's like, oh, really? Star Wars stole from something? Not just Kurosawa? Um, <laughs> other things, too? Um, but yeah, it, w- it was an Italian comic book. and Well, a graphic novel, I should say. And it is super sci-fi. Like, super-duper sci-fi. Uh, as far as the trailer goes, it's pretty fast-paced. A lot of quick cuts and a lot, a lot of quick edits. But it seems really cool. And the first thing I, I noticed, and I watched a video after this, after watching the trailer, they said it looks very much like um, the Fifth Element, which they said there was also a reason why that looks that way because a lot of the people working on it kind of worked on that movie, and also like the inspiration came from like you know that kind of stuff. Well, isn't, um, it, isn't it directed but, by Luke Besson, like the Valerian? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, same guy. Yep. Yeah, so like that, that's why a lot of it looks kind of familiar, but updated. It's 2017. I thought the trailer was good. I, I like the idea, you know, and if it's, if it's good, I, the, the only thing I'm worried about is trailers can be very misleading and I want this to be more, you know, guardians of the galaxy, which I enjoyed. It doesn't have to be guardians. Of the galaxy. I want it to be a new story. I want it to be something, you know, it's own thing, but I'm saying as far as enjoyability, I want it to be that and not Jupiter ascending. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think everybody doesn't want it to be Jupiter ascending. I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, I I would kind of want it not to be the fifth element either. I mean, because I think like that was something that I got like really excited for because I I like Leon or the professional like so I was kind of like, dude, I I like this guy's work, you know, like but then. I remember thinking, oh, he's going to do a sci-fi thing, and Gary Oldman's going to be the bad guy, and, like, Bruce Willis is going to be the hero, and this sounds pretty cool. And then when I went and saw The Fifth Element, I was just kind of like, I don't know, like, there there was just something that seemed like it was missing, you know, like, it wasn't a complete thing, or I just couldn't latch on to it. And, like, I, I guess I hope that whatever this turns out to be, maybe it helps me to understand like 
the existing passion for the existing material or you know maybe makes it easier to seek out that material i don't know because i i i remember like even on bot talk like rogue at one point posted like links to like some kind of i don't know like cartoon version of it on hulu or something like so i i was always kind of like oh i wonder if and I, I don't think it's on Hulu anymore, but like, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, th- like that's something I, I, I could see myself just being interested in, in like a historical context. Like, oh, this had some influence on Star Wars. Well, it, it kind of be interesting to look at just because of that, you know, just because, you know, there, there were elements, whether it was like a, a carbon freezing thing or, you know, like certain visual cues, you know, or whatever, where it's, it's like, you know, replicating that. I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about the people they cast? Like you've got a, you've got, you know, Dane DeHaan, you know, the, the evil Harry from Amazing 2 is like the lead guy. And then who's, and then the girl or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Like, what do, do you find them interesting at all? Or I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I- I would I would say Dana Han looks more likable and his character seems more obviously I mean like I said we were talking about Star Wars he seems more Han Solo-y in this he seems more like you know go by the the you know the scruff of my neck figure out where I go seat up my pants figure out how I'm going to figure this out so I, I think I think he's not a bad choice you know and he he does look you know like a, a character you would follow and and the girl is, is hot as hell I mean she's she's stunning. Um, and I'm not just saying that just because, oh, she's hot, but like, she's also like, you know, he keeps hitting on her and she's just like, oh God, stop. You know, we, we fucked once, not going to do it again, quit. You know, I don't know if that's actually what it is. I've never read Valerian, so I don't know the, the storyline, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Oh, no, it's odd. Well, I, I was going to say like, I, I like Dane DeHaan. Like, I think he, he, he's a good actor, but what's odd is like when I was like kind of looking into this, like it, it seems like his character is supposed to be some kind of like straight laced, like, you know, like traditional kind of hero, but he doesn't really seem like that type of yeah, character in the like trailer. That. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they tried to revise things to fit a more modern sensibility then, you know, like, yeah. like it, it's funny. Cause, cause you wonder about those things. It's like this, this graphic novel may have influenced George Lucas, but other things like the fifth element or guardians of the galaxy or whatever may have also had a circ you know sort of like a circular influence on this you know where it, it's not quite what what people might expect or maybe it can't quite be groundbreaking because it, it, it basically it's kind of like that that awful notion or the the feeling i've always had about you know, oh yeah, okay, so the Fox Fantastic Four movies are not the greatest movies in the world. Like, okay, well, it's like, whose fault is that? Like, fucking Incredibles. You know, like, and it's like, you know, sorry, like, in that analogy, I guess the Incredibles is Star Wars, and and the Fantastic Four is this, you know, Valerian, you know, graphic novel, you know, and it's like, oh, well, like, I, I, you know, who knows? It could turn out to be like that, where it's not quite it doesn't quite live up to the expectation, I suppose. But, you know, but of course, I guess if the expectation is, as long as it's not crap like Jupiter Ascending, like, maybe it's got nowhere to go but up. I mean, I don't know, you know. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think the thing about, like, uh, the world we live in now, 
is like we have the Marvel movies, which, you know, I mean, again, a lot of people kind of get grumpy about like how many there are, but I like them, you know, and a lot of people give crap about the DC movies. But even if they're not good, I want to see DC characters on the screen. And I will go see Suicide Squad. I will go see, like, you know, these movies that, like, people are like, oh, it's shit. I'm like, well, you know what? Shut up. I don't know if I can watch it for myself and, you know, see what I think about it. But those are franchises. Valerian isn't really a franchise. And I, I like the idea of having something new that maybe we can consume as, like, you know, like geeks and, you know, nerds and, like, you know, see if it's, it's going to be good. I just hope it's good. I want new sci-fi. I, I like the little... Uh, scene in the trailer where uh, he's got like the uh, the uh, platform done and he's like running and he's shooting platforms as he goes to the thing. I thought that's that's pretty cool. And uh, the visuals look really stunning. It is like the Fifth Element as far as the style, but it's like Fifth Element on steroids. It's like it's like everything is like so fucking CGI and crisp. But again, you know, a lot of people have you know probably pointed out to me. I, I always talk about practical effects but if cgi looks good i have no problem with cgi as long as it looks good this looks like pretty good cgi i mean I'm, i mean it 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 made me want to see the universe if that makes sense yeah i mean out of the three trailers we watched like this is the movie that i thought looked most interesting like in the one i most want to see out of the three of them so i mean there's that uh what about you justin are you are you interested in valerian or are you just like yeah whatever uh it looks okay. I, I'll, I'll admit, like, I'm not familiar with the source material at all, but I know that when the trailer hit, people on various ends of the nerd spectrum were, like, losing their minds. But, you know, I, I didn't even watch the trailer until we sat down to do this show when you guys mentioned it. And, you know, like, it's funny you guys mentioned Jupiter Ascending because I did have that in my mind as I was watching the trailer, and I was just like, oh, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, like, you know, I, I do like the fifth element, but actually, I, I, I was I was going to get like somebody's back if they said that. I thought the fifth element was not a great movie, but I enjoyed myself. It was it was a fun ride. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like the fifth element too. So that's probably where my good like gooey feelings for it like come from. Yeah, I I think it's a great movie, but like I you know I, I guess I will get Mike's back. Like out of the three films we're discussing, like I, I guess this one is the one where I'm like. Okay, like I, I probably end up uh, watching you, and you know, I have like the highest hopes for you. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I'll give you a shot. I think the best I could hope for, and I don't know if this is damning praise to some people or not, but like I, I feel like about this the same way I felt about Ender's Game, like where it's like this sort of well-known property, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm just I, I do have a sort of curiosity on how that's going to be translated to film. No, Orson Scott Card had a, a a bad hand dealt to him because he had like a lot of controversy right before the movie came out, and the movie wasn't as good as it should have been as compared to the book. So there is that. So yeah, not not to be that guy, but the books are better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can watch a Harry Potter movie and be like, "This is not like the book, but it's a good movie." There are also some comic adaptations of the books that Marvel produced. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Frienders game? Cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. The whole series, in fact. Yeah. Nice. I have to watch that. I watched that. <laughs> Read that. Well, I will be watching it on my computer, so I guess that counts. Um, yeah, so Valerian, uh, we are uh, – I guess the best way to put it for all four of us, actually, is hopefully optimistic. We have high hopes. 
the the next one I'm going to go first, <laughs> um, just because uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, Harrison Ford is trying to kill off all his characters they used to play, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> Han Solo first, Decker next, Jack Ryan, <laughs> then Indiana. I don't know. Um, I'm going to be completely honest, guys, and this is probably going to get me a lot of geek hate and a lot of people who are going to call for the pitchforks. I never thought Blade Runner was that amazing. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I thought it was kind of slow. Amazing visuals. Ridley Scott did an amazing job with the filmography. It looks really good as far as how it looks. Never could get into it. You know, it just it was just one of those movies that was plotting. I know there's a director's cut and we find out Decker maybe like, you know, fucking it just I mean there's there's certain movies that even if like people say they're great, you just can't get into. And I I've watched Blade Rudder like two or three times tried my best to be like everybody says it's a cinematic you know sci-fi masterpiece let me give it a chance the, the and the thing about it is is here's where i come down on the acting is good the story is fine the cinematography is great i get everything that everybody likes about this movie but for me i have to enjoy the movie for me to like it i can't sit here and say I like it because you like it. I just didn't like Blade Runner, and I really don't care about Blade Runner 2049. That's just where I sit. I'll be honest. like I, I've seen the original movie once, and that was maybe like 15, like 20 years ago. So, like, I mean, I don't have any huge emotional like or nostalgic attachment to it. But, yeah, I kind of had the same feeling you did where you I was kind of like, oh, so Harris, is Harrison Ford going to kill this character off, too, or, you know, retire this character? Is he going to – I mean, he, he's trying to retire himself with all these plane accidents. I mean, he's like, he's like get off my plane, and then he crashes into, like, a, a golf course or whatever. Get off my own plane. <laughs> get off my own plane. I'm crash my own plane. <laughs> He like looks in the mirror or something. He's like, "Get off my plane!" <laughs> <laughs> mm. I I, uh, I, what, what I disagree I... with Tony just because like that, that I do like the movie. Like I I might even say it's one of my favorite movies, like the original Blade Runner. So uh, unlike Mike, I think I do have a lot of emotional connection to the original film. Having said that, like. I, I don't know, like, this this feels like, you know, the, the kind of same themes of Alien Covenant, where you're like, do we need a sequel? Like, is, it's like, I have a certain curiosity about it, but it, it's like, the way it's presented, it's almost like, I, it, it's funny to me, because I watch the trailer, and what I see is, Harrison Ford doing a little cameo in a movie that's got Ryan Gosling in it as his character from the original movie or or a similar archetype. But then I watch these fan I, I watch these fan reactions and they're like, Clearly Harrison Ford is a main character in the movie and I'm like, Did you watch the same fucking trailer I watched, you dumb fuck? Like no, he's not. Like, he's probably not going to be... He, he, he like, walked into his house, and he's like, what are you doing here? No, like, I, 
I mean, how do you know that he's not Mark Hamill in The Fucking Force Awakens? Like, what if that's all we see and the whole movie is Ryan Gosling running around, like, looking at fucking fake snakes and farting on fucking Mars and all this other fucking horse shit? And then at the end of it, Harrison Ford's like, get off my plane. And then the movie ends. You know, and it's just like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I guess for me, it's like I, I, I could see it opening up a whole can of worms. Because if, if you've got that camp of people that think he is a replicant and they like the director's cut and that's what the unicorn means and everybody feels passionately about that. Well, if he's aged and he's in this sequel, I mean you're kind of leaning towards he's not a replicant, right? I mean... I guess, yeah, I guess he's not a robot. I mean, yeah. unless he's a super special fucking replicant that got fucking old and crusty like Harrison Ford. Like, but whatever. I don't know. You know, like, it's just like... I, I guess you can do whatever the hell you want in the film, right? But, I, you know, I it doesn't seem to be pointing in that direction. So, uh, it just seems like there, there's going to be a certain camp that's going to be butthurt one way or the other, wh- whatever direction they go in. So, you know, I want to go here and this is again, probably gonna get pitchforks at me again. Um, I think this is like Ghostbusters last Mm. year. A lot of people, you know, they got on the fucking feminist bandwagon and say like, oh, you just like because it's girls. It's like, no, it's because because Ghostbusters was fine. And I have stated many times I don't like Ghostbusters too that much. I can watch it. It's not a horrible film, but I didn't see the need for it. I didn't see a need for a new Ghostbusters. The first one was fine. It was a good movie. Not every movie needs a fucking sequel. And with Blade Runner, like I said, I can appreciate why people like it. And to those who do, no no fucking hatred toward you. You know, it's not a bad movie at all. Just something that didn't connect with me. Does it need a sequel? Probably fucking not. Why, why do it? Ghostbusters didn't need a sequel this late in the game. Like 20 years later, why do we need to do that? Like with Star Wars... The last movie came out like, you know, like a little over 10 years ago. You know, so I could see them trying to continue that trilogy because it's, it's got bank. You can still make money off of it. But like, the, I, I, like they're, they're just trying to revive too many properties that were fine and well enough left alone. You know, it was like, what's going to be next? Kramer versus Kramer 2, The Reckoning or like fucking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do you think, Justin? I feel about this the same way I feel about Alien Covenant. Do do we need this? No. Because like I am one of those people who think Blade Runner is a great film. And kinda like what Derek was talking about, I it seems like this kind of like is gonna rub you wrong no matter what you thought about the previous film concerning Deckard as a replicant. You know, it's like if you it's funny because like I, I borrowed Blade Runner before we even decided to talk about this. I borrowed it from a friend and like I watched it and I watched it with the commentary and I watched the three hour making of and, you know, really Scott's talking about how he always intended for, you know, Deckard to be a replicant. And Harrison Ford's like, well, I think that's bullshit and I never played him to be a replicant. But that, you know, that that's the intent of the director's cut. And like Derek said, well, you've got this film. And, you know, he obviously he looks 30 years older. So I guess they kind of throw that theory at the window and really Scott's not directing it. Um, I will say, though, that like the, the director of this is um, Dillis Villeneuve and he directed Arrival. I don't know if you guys saw Arrival, but it's a really great film. Like, I, I, Yeah, I've heard that. It's like really awesome. Yes. Yeah, it, it's like the anti 
Independence Day. It's like aliens, you know, show up all over the world. Even the anti-M Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like these like giant spaceships show up all over the world, but they, you know, they don't attack. They just sit there, and it's about this team of scientists, uh, including Hawkeye. Who are trying to like figure out, you know, what do they want? They're like they're trying to, they're, they're working from like, like the ground up, trying to figure out how to just like communicate with these aliens. But but anyway, it's a really great film. So with him attached as director, like I kind of I want to I want to be hopeful just because he's attached to it. But like I I don't think I can get over my initial like revulsion for this because I remember hearing several years ago, oh they're going to make a Blade Runner sequel. I'm like. Please no. Please let, it, <laughs> please let it die. Please let it be in development hell for you know forever. Like we don't need it. And then they're like, oh, it's gonna get made, and Ridley Scott's gonna be involved. And I was like, even still, no. Somebody stop this. Yeah. Um, I, I will. I will say one thing to you and Derek's credit, as far as how Blade Runner is seen in um, popular uh, fandom. For me to hear you guys say like you're like not sure if you're gonna get into it. For the sequel, that means that like it was a once in a lifetime kind of thing. You know, it was like we have this movie. A lot of people like it. It's really good. There's there's a fan base. People enjoy it and they're happy with it. Don't fuck it up by making something stupid to, to you know slap onto it. Love RoboCop. I didn't need fucking RoboCop two and three. RoboCop would have been fine. You know, you know, again, you know, yeah. You know what's interesting, though, is like, and I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but you remember that Kurt Russell movie called Soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like that. That, yeah. it, to some degree, like, I remember when it first came out, they did try to push the idea that this was sort of a Philip K. Dick slash Blade Runner in-universe type movie like that the 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 character that Kurt Russell played is like similar to like the what Roy Batty would have been doing off planet you know like like and I I remember I remember going to like one of the LA sci-fi and comic book you know conventions at the Shriner Auditorium and they even had like a little clip of like the the Blade Runner police car to like sell it to you when they were trying to. Oh, the spinner. Yeah, the yeah. spinner was there, and then they tried to cut back and see, like, see the spinners in the wreckage when Kurt Russell like walks past it. Like, this is this is in the same universe, and like me being the big Blade Runner fan that I was, it was like, oh shit, this is this is connected to. Like, I was like, I'm gonna see this for sure, and like whether the movie was you know worth that anticipation or excitement i don't know but you know i mean it, w it was probably an okay movie but you know it, it, it was like it was connected and it kind of wasn't connected and, and all that other kind of stuff but like i i feel like they're definitely playing on those those things because they they, they kind of know like i mean it seems like everything now in Hollywood doesn't get greenlit unless it's a remake or a pre-existing franchise like unless they have confirmed scientific numbers like of guaranteed like built-in audience like it's like things like that just don't get made like like Blade Runner wouldn't have gotten made today you know what I mean but anyway yeah that's just my is that why we are looking more forward to Valerian? Because it is 
kind of new. It's like it's been a graphic novel. You know, uh, Derek, you said it's been a cartoon show. Never been a feature length movie. Mm. And like, sure, it's not like a new property as far as the existing characters, but as far as being on screen, on film, live action, it's new. Yeah, Is that I, why we're so I, hopeful? I think so. I think I, I, it, that's probably yeah. why. Yeah, for me at least. Yeah, you know, and like you know, like like because it is kind of funny though, because we did a Ridley Scott sandwich. I know he's not directing the new Blade Runner, but you know, we have these Ridley Scott. You know, they is there's going to be a fucking Ridley Scott, you know, <laughs> universe. <laughs> I I guess it's also worth mentioning, and I know Derek would be interested in this that the director of this new Blade Runner. Um, he's also attached to direct a new version of Dune, and I know, oh, you know Derek's a big fan of Dune. I am as well, so I'm kind of curious, like how that's going to turn out, like because yeah, we, yeah. you know, we've had one film and we've had, you know, those mini series from Sci-Fi Channel, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like I kind of, I kind of feel like those people who said uh, Dune is unfilmable. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with that because I'm not a big Dune fan like you and Derek. But the original movie, I don't think was that good. Again, probably in the, the minority. I mean, fuck. I like Buckaroo Banzai. What the fuck do I know about movies? Um, like uh, when you when you say that, I, I feel like Sting. Where I'm like, I will kill him. I will. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. There's remakes that make sense, you know. Like, like Dune was not what fans wanted. If they can do it better, that would be fine. I understand where Justin's coming from. He's like, you know, like, should we? It could be worse. But the, the, the Dune film was not good. I don't think it really made the fans happy. No. So remaking no. Most something. People, not- most people that read the book first and then saw the the film with Kyle MacLachlan are, are not like they don't rave about it, you know, like, I think, I don't know how to explain it, but you had to be of a certain age, and, like, I mean, I saw that film first, you know, like, I, I didn't read the book when I was a kid, I read the book when I was, like, in college. I was like you, I, I saw the film first, yeah. So. Yeah, there is room for improvement, and, and, and like Justin said, the sci-fi movies, hit or miss, they get some things right as far as book, but it's a sci-fi movie. It's not going to be that good. I'm sorry. Sci-fi doesn't really do good movies. <laughs> and and it's it's not just the first book. It's like because I'm thinking of like the later novels. I'm like, how are they ever going to make God Emperor Dune, Chapter House Dune, Heretics of Dune? Because like those, I don't know how you can like make those into films and make them compelling. Because like those Chapter House and Heretics, like even as a, someone who was getting into those novels, I kind of struggled with those. But I'm just like. How do you turn that into a major motion picture? And it has like it's just you know people in rooms talking, and it's. You know. I, know, I I think the density is is something they can fiddle with because like Lord of the Rings, I read the first book of Lord of the Rings. I read the Fellowship of the Rings, and J.R.R. Tolkien, you're like a very masterful writer. You made a world; it is very epic. I will never disparage you. You know, you you passed on. You're a great writer. But the movies were really fucking good, and they 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 boiled them down to an essence. I think Peter Jackson is always going to remember for that. He's not going to remember for King Kong. That fucking movie sucked. But uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, it was enjoyable, and even in the slow parts, it could be done. It could be done. Am I saying like you, you said, Justin? I'm not saying it can be done. I'm just saying it could be. So, it just depends on how. You do it. Now yeah. that you bring up 
Lord of the Rings, all I can think of is I, I think the the concern shouldn't be can they make a filmable Dune? The concern should be is it going to take like three fucking movies to get Dune? <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> right. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're going to be like, Dune, like House Atreides Part 1. Dune, House fucking Harkonnen Part 2. Dune, like, uh, Alia, like, pokes him with a needle Part 3 or whatever. It could end up like that where the, the first three movies are incredibly watchable. But like Justin said, like, you know, the following books, they try to adapt it like the, the Hobbit. And people didn't like the Hobbit that much. They, they thought it was okay, but... I mean, everybody knows that like people have not enjoyed The Hobbit as much as they enjoyed The Lord of the Rings. You know, it was just not as good of a series, and especially because it was the reverse of Dune. They took a small book and made it so fucking long. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it does work both ways. I, I, I'm just saying, like you know, hopeful plausibility. And we're talking about, uh, you know, Dune, a movie that like we didn't even see a trailer for. We're talking about more than Blade Runner. So I think there's more people interested in Dune than Blade Runner. <laughs> The sequels must flow. <laughs> well, apparently in Hollywood, yeah. That or, or remakes of fucking old stupid TV shows like Chips, you know? Like, I, I, okay, I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to see the Baywatch movie. I just love The Rock. Shut up. Because <laughs> what, what we really need are ten more fucking Fast the and the Furious movies. That's what we really need. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm off on the Fast and Furious. You know what? I have never seen any Fast and Furious movies besides the first one and Tokyo Drift. Just because after we did the, the, the line of Tokyo Drifting Through Space, I had to watch the fucking movie. <laughs> those, those are the only ones I've seen, too. So yeah. Nice. Secret Brothers. Cool. Um, I think that ends the uh, For the Future, yours and mine, for the trailers. Uh, two movies where... As, as a whole, not really excited about, and one we're hopeful for. So, be original. It'd be nice. Uh, speaking of being original, something that is original is being awesome. And yes, we're bringing it back this week. Something awesome in your world this week. Uh, we used to do this a lot. This is basically just anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Movies, TVs, toys, whatever. Something awesome in your world this week. Um, I will go last, and you know what? I'll just play the random scramble game and go with Derek. What is awesome in your week? Well, I, I did mention that I went to the movies this week, and I saw Logan, and I really did enjoy the film. I mean, it was, it, it, I think it was a good film. I was uh, clearly, uh, I was susceptible to. Uh, the emotional content of the film and and it it did move me and as far as you know just enjoying the whole you know comic book type stuff you know there there were you know fun things to enjoy about the film in that regard but i think it, it's a little more than just that you know it's not just a entertaining distraction like i i think i think there was some weighty emotional content and and it certainly had an impact on me so i'm just gonna recommend that as my my awesome thing of the week cool i i've heard like it's got a lot of praise it's like we'll go next with let's break up the miss grundy uh duality and go with mike <laughs> <laughs> the 
get between the two Grundies, huh? <laughs> Stuck it's, in a, it's, so it's, a rock I, I, can a hand, I, I can handle that. It's it's sad. Dylan McKay's turn to tell us what's awesome in his world this week. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I, I mentioned this to you guys before, but I just like to give a shout out to the uh, Transformers like fan club uh, exclusive series of text stories uh, under the banner Beast Wars Uprising, which is. Uh, they've been producing these for the last like year or so. And, you know, it's a bunch of like pro stories set in like this alternate beast wars, like universe where it's, it's pretty much like almost like the hunger games where, um, the, the Autobots and Decepticons are basically called the builders. And like Cybertron has been walled off by like the entire galaxy and they've become so energon starved that any like larger, Autobots and Decepticons have been basically like made into like immobile like gargoyles almost that like rule over Cybertron. So Cybertron's like populated by like social casts and stuff. And you've got the builders at the top, and um, then you've got Micromasters, which are basically the builders like proxies basically. And then at the very bottom are Maximals and Predacons which the builders like use in like gladiatorial games, which is where like the hunger games uh, uh, like comparison comes into play. And they use the Maximals and Predacons to kind of, you know, renew their old rivalries and stuff. And eventually like, you know, it starts off with like Lyo Convoy is basically the central character in this uh, universe and eventually he joins up with like he he is like finally like made aware of the builders like corruption and uh basically what they've done and uh he becomes the head of the resistance and like the maximals and predacons rise up against the micromasters and the builders so uh, it's like a series of i don't know maybe 8 to 10 text stories of varying length but man like it's such good like world building like they really like establish the universe there's like tons of references to stuff that like uh, basically the writers like repurpose beast like form characters from other series as like Maximals and Predacons. So like you've got like, you know, um, beasts from like uh, Cybertron or Energon or even Prime, like that lobster guy from um, the Robots in Disguise series, a bisque. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like a central character and a couple like uh I would say like as like like Scourge and Under Undermine and all that stuff. Yeah, like they they kinda like repurpose as much as they can. Like they use mini cons as micromasters in some cases. And yeah, anyone who has a beast transform they can kind of repurpose into like Maximals or Predacons. So it's there's tons of references, like it's a great story. Like the the final story or the final like epic story that concludes the resistance's <laughs> battle against the builders, uh it's called derailment and it's like almost 200 pages long and it's like in a, a huge running like giant battle and it's like a great story. So yeah, but I've, I've been reading them for the last like few months and I've had a like, a, like you can tell I really like transformers fiction when I want to buy toys from it. So like I, I over the last couple months, I, I bought a, a club exclusive eject, which is uh um, he's he's that Rumble and Frenzy tank basic mold, but yeah, yeah, so but he's he's like a central character. Like he's 
he's eject is basically like the almost like the most him and Ratbat are like the only survivors of the original like first three years of generation one basically like everyone else has died so like they're they're kind of yeah and like eject is kind of lyo convoys like like minder basically he's like technically he's a builder and lyo convoys a maximal and like eject kind of takes lyo convoy under his wing and like treats him better than most builders would treat maximals and stuff but then lyo convoy like breaks off and forms the resistance so they have a complex relationship basically but um like yeah i i got his eject and then i put a pre-order down for the upcoming uh takara lyo convoy which is made out of alpha trion because eventually like in derailment like across the beast wars like uprising universe like they eventually like everyone starts off with like vehicle modes and stuff but um uh beast beast wars megatron uh who exists in this timeline uh like unleashes like this beast upgrade across the entire planet where everyone starts getting beast modes and stuff and so lyo convoy upgrades from his like you know his first club toy which was i think like orion pax like a recolor to to eventually he he upgrades to the, like the lion alpha trion mold so like i was like oh man now i gotta get that because that looks awesome so <laughs> but yeah but it's a really good story and like uh i i give like the fan club is kind of going out of business really soon. Like they don't have the license anymore. So like yeah, these, these stories, everything, yeah. yeah. Like as we record this, these stories are still like available to download as like PDFs and stuff. Like you can go to the wiki and every, the wiki page for every story has a download link, but like, who knows how long they'll be up. So like I saved them all already, but you know, I appreciate that when they, they, make such content available for free. So yeah, I, I give, if, if it's still around by the time this episode like airs, I, I totally recommend it to any fans of beast wars or like transformers in general. So yeah, beast wars uprising. Cool. Very cool. You know, you lost Derek when he said 200 pages, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I did not <laughs> expect Derek to like read this or anything. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like I've read it the way you've described it to me. <laughs> Actually, I kind of lied when I said Eject and Ratbat are the only survivors because Hot Rod is also in it. And like he's he's he downgrades to like a micromaster because he wants to like work from the inside at improving like Cybertron and stuff. But everyone kind of looks down on him because he he downgraded like he could have he could have chosen to be a builder and just be wired into a giant wall. But he wanted his mobility. So he like downgraded into a micromaster. So he's kind of a central character, too. I okay, that, that are you kinda, just saying that just to get Eric into it? <laughs> that that, that kind of fits into the whole like uh, Star Saber, Star, Star uh, what is it? Star Obviously, Convoy, Star, Star Convoy. Convoy right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the 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 form he has too, like the Star Convoy MicroMaster Hot Rod. Like, uh, although I mean, it's it's cool. Like he's cool in the story, but they kind of like hint like there's a the, there's a map of Cybertron in one chapter. <laughs> like an image and there's a huge crater on the map that's called Rodimus's folly. Like, and it like, and throughout the series, they kind of hint that Rodimus prime's leadership was not well received and stuff. And like, even though hot rods, like super cool in the story, everyone, like all the builders kind of treat him with disgust and stuff. So, but like, they never really elaborate on it. 
So bitch. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a giant. It's like you look at the map of Cybertron, and it's like, and there's the giant crater that we called Rodimus's fuck up, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Rodimus's Maggie Sawyer. Anyway, um, uh, uh, but uh, continuing on awesome things, uh, we will go to that. That sounds cool. Though. I actually would like to read that because I actually do like Beast Wars a whole lot. So. That does sound actually very entertaining. And I also hate to say this, there's some characters in the Unicron trilogy I like too, so shut up. It was a terrible cartoon, but the characters are good. <laughs> what the fuck? Um anyway, moving on. We'll go to Justin. What is your awesome thing this week? Uh I have two things. The first is a game for the three sixty called Warriors Orochi three. And you may remember on an older episode, I was talking about Dynasty Warriors 7. And this is kind of in a similar vein. It's a Muso game. But uh, whereas Dynasty Warriors is kind of a fictionalized version of, you know, Chinese history and Romance of the Three Kingdoms and whatnot, like Warriors Orochi series, they're basically straight up fantasy. And it, but it, it draws in characters from different games because you have characters from the dynasty warriors series you have characters from samurai warriors you also have characters from other games and it, it includes playable characters like joan of arc and achilles and even ryu from ninja ninja gaiden and basically the story is uh there's this uh character who can travel through time and she brings all these characters together in this one spot to fight this like giant hydra who is you know, attacking the countryside and you know causing all these like demons to rise up and take over the place so you have to like assemble a team uh, comprising of you know some of these different warriors which i i was playing it and i was like man this is really cool because you can you can switch you can pick a team of three characters and you can switch at any time in battle and i was playing it i was like wow this is really great because i'm i can play as musashi achilles or joan of arc and there's a there's a lot of like Japanese characters uh, too. Like you can play as a uh, you know Hattori Hanzo, which I thought was pretty cool. And I was having a lot of fun just zipping around as him and lots of other characters from like you know Chinese and Japanese history. And you know it it was a lot it was a lot of fun to play. Like I really got into it, just like I got into Dynasty Warrior Seven. Do they do my they, other do thing? Do they have interactions with one another, kind of like they do in Dynasty Warriors? Or yeah, there there's a um, there's a uh, camp set up where your characters can interact and you can pick different characters to kind of run through the camp and you can have uh conversations so like if you're playing as achilles you may run into you know joan of arc and you can have a conversation between them or you know you can have uh hattori hanzo interact with you know someone from dynasty warriors like uh you know Guan Yu or, or somebody, but uh, I I kind of like that aspect. It's really kind of interesting to see like all these different characters like interact and fight together and fight each other because they're just like whoa, like Achilles is totally like taking on the all these guys and like man, it's awesome. But my other thing is a book. And wow, it feels like a long time since I talked about a book on the show. Um, it is it's called The Worst President: The Story of James Buchanan by Gary Ballard and. If you know anything about presidents, you know that James Buchanan is almost every time he is ranked as the worst president. And you know, being someone who loves history, and especially I, I like to read about you know different presidents. Like I was really kind of like 
interested to read this because even though I know a lot about, you know, President, even the Civil War, I don't know that much about James Buchanan other than, you know, his failures basically led up to the situation that President Lincoln inherited. But um, this book does a very good job of dispelling some often repeated myths and kind of laying out succinctly, you know, just how big of a failure he was. And it points out all these different things, like all these different chances he had of like doing something. And he just sat by and did nothing. And then eventually, like basically it gets to the point where almost his entire cabinet resigns. Like some of them resign because they're just so disgusted with his inaction. They can't take it anymore. And then some of them resign and they eventually join the Confederacy. And what's even kind of more amusing to me is that uh, his remaining years he spent publishing different articles and newspapers defending his presidency. And then he spent a whole lot of time writing a book about his time as president. He was, you know, staunchly defending himself. And he was like, oh, the guys are like, I had it so bad. Like, you don't understand. And like, People openly mocked him for this. They're like, oh, like Buchanan's such a fuck up. And he's like, he's he's, he's still doing his thing of like, I wasn't that bad. Come on, guys. But, uh, <laughs> a new novel by James Buchanan. I don't suck. You suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But like, I, it, it's a really short book. It's only like 200. Yeah, it, it's like 202 pages. So I was kind of disappointed it was sh- so short, but it did get to the very core of the matter. Like, it's it's not. It's not a, you know, definitive uh, biography of James Buchanan. It's just about his time in office and the various like things that happened during his presidency that basically led to the Civil War. It, it may be one-sided, but it, it shows facts. It's not showing like you know a bias as far as we hate this guy. It's just showing that he did you know stupid stuff. Yeah. I don't know, Mike Mr. Hot Rod's not part of his cabinet. I don't know if I can do those 200 pages. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that falls to me on my awesome thing. Uh, as the fan holes have known and have to endure every week when we talk, I've got into die-cast collecting. It's a thing I have gone into because usually they're small and... They don't take a lot of room, unlike, you know, giant, huge toys like fucking hot toys and stuff. One of the things, however, I, I've had a chance to purchase are a metal series. And I have to apologize to my fan holes friends because I thought they were Has- – uh, not Hasbro, but Mattel. I thought they were Hot Wheels. They're actually Jada toys. And I found this out because I looked on the bottom of the box. They're officially licensed. They're not knockoffs. They are officially licensed by DC. They are real things. They are not, you know, just cheap knockoffs. Uh, I've already got the 66 Batmobile, and this past week I bought the 89 Batmobile from the Tim Burton movie. And one of the reasons why this actually kind of clicked with me that I was buying not Mattel but Jada toys is the figures that come with the Hot Wheels 118th scale vehicles are slightly posable, kind of. They can sit, basically. And with my, uh, you know, Adam West figure, I was like, oh, I just have a different version. That's all it is. It's the same scale, does the same things. I just, you know, this this is the the cheaper alternative. I thought, like, you know, the ones that they showed online were, you know, the thirty dollars toys. They came with articulated figures, but no, these are Jada toys, and they do a lot of die casts as well. And uh, the eighty nine Batmobile is 
fucking amazing. It is heavy as shit. The paint is great. It's it's a very matte black, not glossy. And I know in the movies it looks glossy, but I prefer the matte black. I, I think it looks more menacing, more like, you know, I, I would say Batman Returns instead of Batman, you know, the first one. Uh, it does come with a fully, like, metal Batman Michael Keaton. He is heavy as fuck. The only thing that's plastic on him is his cape. And it does have working features. You can move the cockpit up and down. And it does have flip-out machine guns to reenact the scene where he breaks into the Atme chemical factory. Rolling wheels, they're rubber. Uh, and uh, it also has a nice hatch that flips up in the back so you can see the engine detailing for the rocket engine. I, I love die-cast stuff. I, I don't know why I've grown into this in my later years. I guess I'm just old, and I, you know, I'm, I've realized die-cast is a lost art. <laughs> I, I really enjoy Batmobiles as a whole. I've always liked the uh, way Batmobiles look. And to get a, a larger scale and really fiddle with it and mess around with it and enjoy, like, not the clunkiness, but the weight of, like, this toy. All right, awesome. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me tonight. Uh, this has been a retrospective. You know, we, we did this not just for us, but just to celebrate an anniversary. And we like hearing you guys, you know, listen to us. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can always get us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. We have a Tumblr. We have a, you know, Instagram. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. There's so many ways to get a hold of us. We're on Facebook. You can talk to us directly. Uh, we always like any criticisms. We also love any love you show us. The love that we have gotten from guys like Jan, uh, John Vanover and you know Luke Giaconetti. Like you guys have really helped us out, and you know the, your contributions to our show have always been appreciated for being guests. Um, other than that, though, I think this pretty much wraps up our anniversary. Six years strong, guys. That is amazing. Until then, this is, I guess I'll go back to the old school. This is Tony Chainclaw signing off. Hey, guys, this is Derek, Derek WC, and I'm also going to throw a thank you out to uh, our good buddy, Boo, who always shares and likes all the, the shows and everything. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing, and uh-oh, sounds like the professor getting a little cranky. And this is Justin. That gum you like is going to come back into style. You're not putting me to bed. I'm staying up all night long. Finally, Logan no Gambit's pain. Peace!
you got to do it. You're going to have to shoot me. And he's like, you're the best thing I ever, like, best part of my my world or whatever. Best thing I ever did. Something like, I don't know. And, of course, she, you know, being a lesbian now, she's really affected by, like, really bad melodrama. And she, uh... <laughs> oh, she, she's more affected than she normally was when she was fucking crying every fucking five minutes. <laughs> oh, no, she cries at this one, too. Yeah, she yeah, she, she cries when Dean Kane like, says that. And she's like, just go. And then, like, later on, she's, like, walking into a fucking, uh... Shit, uh, I can't remember her damn name. Fucking policeman. Her, her fucking. Oh, Maggie Sawyer. Maggie Sawyer. Yeah, her her spooning buddy. And like, she's all like, "What's wrong? Was it was it a rough day with your dad?" Because she doesn't know, you know, of course. And she just like starts bawling her fucking eyes out. Like, just like fucking. Jesus, bitch. Sounds like something yeah. See, anything. They're, they're setting it up for season three where. They reveal like this whole time that her sister is actually crybaby girl, and she's part of the <laughs> legion of substitute heroes from the future, and she never knew it. <laughs> it's crying is the power. That's her gift or what? All right, crybaby cry girls, the fatal five, quick ball at them. <laughs> okay, Sounds emotionally that... unstable. Quickly, <laughs> give them the feels. <laughs> No one loves you, and go. <laughs> Even the fans. I'm not talking about it in the show. And this is like real life stuff. This is your motivation. <laughs> Character sucks. Go. <laughs> Wrote you into a corner. You're a terrible actress. Go. <laughs> Pretend to be gay and just fail horribly at it. <laughs> look uncomfortable kissing a woman. Go. <laughs> the only thing you have to look forward to is us writing you off the show. Go. <laughs> just remember the show is called Supergirl not Carol Danvers go <laughs> oh lord okay yes okay enough of that I, I'm ready whenever you guys are